Welcome to a Trucker's Mind Podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy K Finks. We're back, man. Episode 214. Yes, sir. Let's get right into it. I think one of the dopest stories of the week for me has been this $500 wedding. Um, a couple got married for $500. I know that's hard for a lot of people to believe, but it's been a viral story. Um, bride buys $47 dress for $500 wedding. We weren't trying to impress anybody, end quote. That's what she said. Um, a frugal bride purchased her wedding dress from Shine for $47. Talk about balling on a budget. A penny-pinching bride determined to keep her wedding costs under $500 went viral online after revealing, after revealing the key to her success, including purchasing a $47 dress and telling guests to pay for their own meals. <laughs> um, when Joey uh, Brokenbro from Los Angeles proposed to Kara in December last year, they vowed that their big day would be a little cost. After trying to on multiple after trying on multiple $1,500 dresses at a traditional shop, Kira just ordered a dress from Shine, a low-cost fashion brand. She revealed her wedding wedding day hack in a low in a now viral TikTok video that amassed over 109,000 likes. You have a wedding with witnesses there to witness you, vowing to your spouse, vowing to God that you guys are going to stay together for life. She said on Good Morning America and then you celebrate with food, drinks, and dance. And that's exactly what we did. Yo, hold on. Let's take a minute to shout out this queen, man. Shout out. Shout out to her. Shout out to her for. No, for real. Shout out to her for really getting married for love and not using money as a metric for what that wedding should mean. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think it was dope. Yeah. I think it was dope that we we seen somebody, especially we live in a time where, you know, the divorce rate is over 50%. And you know how many people, because they, they, they had a stat that I've seen that the average wedding is $29,000, right? I still don't believe that. You don't got to believe it, man. It's the stat. I've seen it. It was on the news. But and stats I stats are like, stats are, stats can be skewed. Yeah, even if it's skewed, it, if it's a little less, then it's still over, it's near $30,000 still. It doesn't change it. Not It's not me saying it. It's just what it said. But anyways, um. We spend so much money, and a lot of it is mainly to impress the people at the actual event, mm-hmm. right? And what's crazy is I, I'm sure that there's a lot of women that said, like, oh, hell no. Like, you know, it's just, this is my special day. My family's going to be there. I need there's We cannot spend no $500. That is embarrassing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what I love about this is she was genuinely happy to be married. Yeah. You know, these are these are not they you could tell they not broke either. They look like two decent people, two good looking people. She's a decent looking woman. He's a, a good looking guy. Like they're good people. They seem like a good married couple. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they also mentioned that people flew in. Um, they flew in to come to the event um, and they, they knew that they had to pay for their food and drinks, but they had a good time. Yeah. And that's the dopest thing. Even the people that came to the event were not judgmental of the event mm-hmm. most people would be at that wedding like look at this cheap ass bullshit <laughs> look at this cheap they ass they probably still said that look at this shit <laughs> these niggas spent five hundred dollars you know the joke the joke's on though the joke is on the people that are laughing at them but they can't they ain't even got a solid marriage or they may never even get married yeah so you could have a stretch limousine that's cool 
You can spend two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on your wedding. That's fine. Do what you want. But if your letter, if your wedding only lasts three years, then what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, I think that um, either way, it's cool for me. Like spending five hundred or spending five hundred thousand, um, because for me, I I think that it's about what's inside the person and also like living within your means. If yes. you're a millionaire and you're spending 500 on a wedding, that's kind of fucked it's up. It's just like, it's doing too much. There was this, um, this show on TLC and they were basically, um, like the most frugal people in the world where they were like sharing baths. Oh, no. They would run the bath water and then three or four people would take a bath in there. Oh no. Um, they were running using- the train on that tub. <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> They were uh, reusing, like, printer paper for toilet. I, I just, all oh, kind of, no. like, disgusting stuff. They was right? wiping their ass with that paper? It was something. It might have been newspaper or something. Oh, they going to get hemorrhoids? <laughs> yeah. But um, they but they were just, they were overdoing the whole frugal yeah, lifestyle thing. It's just too much. Too much. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think, like, you know, if, if your heart is in the right place, um, that's what it really boils down to. And I think... A lot of times when it comes to weddings, like we have this uh, superficial idea of what a wedding exactly. should look like. And some people, you know, we we grow up watching a reality TV shows, you know, sometimes celebrities. Bridezillas. Yeah. We, uh, sometimes, you know, certain celebrities have like uh, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union, they have their wedding on, on YouTube and, you know, people uh-huh. sometimes get... Uh, married on reality shows, um, stuff like that. And um, you're kind of like, your mind is so fixated on your wedding looking Mm -hmm. like that because that's what you grew up watching. But I think you could kind of lose out on the real blessing of a a wedding or what a wedding should look like. You know, at the end of the day, the wedding should look like, you know, two people that are, um, that are, you know, creating this bond together and being surrounded by friends and family. Like, like she said, in the thing, a wedding is just the ceremony, you know, the I do's you guys kiss, you walk off, um, music playing, you got the DJ and the first dances and the, the father and, uh, daughter dance, like these, these special moments, right. um, throwing the bouquet and stuff like that, like these specific moments, but there's no monetary, thing attached to what those what those things should look like. All right. It's just like specific moments that should happen dur- during a wedding. Yeah. Um so I think like when when anybody is like starting to put their wedding together, it should be from like just start based on the love of the the partnership right. that you got you guys are creating it. And it shouldn't be like a it shouldn't be like a ego thing. It shouldn't be yeah. like you trying to impress <clears throat> people because um, if you're spending thirty thousand dollars on a wedding and you make thirty thousand dollars a year, that's nuts. Like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. <clears throat> so I think I think you know I don't know what their uh, their careers look like or anything, but I think that that's dope. If especially if they're they had another plan, it's like well let's just get married because like this is not going to change anything for us. Like we could have went to the courthouse, but we wanted to invite our friends yeah. and family. Um, but let's start a business. 
Let's go buy yeah. some property. Let's invest in, you know, some stocks. Let's, you know, have a crazy honeymoon where we go out the country because we never been before. That I think that's like when you really like think about the economics of it, like they putting their money in the right they right, the right space. First and foremost, they live in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, rent for them is probably almost four thousand fucking dollars already. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know it, it, you know what the you know, from an economic standpoint what they were trying to do, but I will say this. Imagine if you and your girl saved up X amount of money before the wedding, but you only spend five hundred dollars, but for the honeymoon you got seven thousand. Yeah. So now we save this money up and it's, I don't think they have kids either, so they could run it up and go out of the country. Yeah, they could spend that money on a honeymoon. Why? Why are we spending all of our money on this event when we should enjoy each other after the event? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I thought that was that was decent too. Um, I, I just think we got to start ridding our mind of the shit that we have in it. Because what I love about this is they put the love at the forefront, right? Mm-hmm. Love was at the forefront of the marriage, like. The thing about it is, there's going to be a lot of women that disagree with this shit. They're like, I'm not having no five. What the fuck? We're not telling you to have a $500 wedding. All I'm saying is, is that most of the world consists of regular people. Mm-hmm. Regular people. Not people that make six figures a year. Not people that make nine, eight million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. The average person is a regular working motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And I don't got it like that. I do okay for myself, but I make a lot, lot of, I make more money than a lot of people. And I ain't even got it like that. And some of those same people is out here trying to have a wedding for 50000 Yeah. I'm, man, that ain't happening. Yeah. Worst come to worst, if, I, well, at the end of the day, I'm not, me personally, I wouldn't have a wedding for $500. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have to spend, uh, like, a low ball, a low ball wedding for me, a low ball wedding for me would probably be around ten k. Okay. Like right I'm glad ar- you said that because it kind of puts it into perspective. Like, right. It's not even about 500. It's just about the love. You there know? you go. <clears throat> the love. But like my thing is I would make that 10K real. Like yeah. I, would, I wouldn't have a cheap ass looking wedding. It would still be, you know, I would have the best paper plates. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't just be the cheap ones, the paper. It would be yeah. the ones with designs and shit on them. You, you, can str- you can make it like, like my friend Pat. He shoots music videos. And um, he does a lot of stuff on his own. And he has a lot of good relationships. So yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, a music video that may cost sixty, seventy thousand, he could probably pull off for like twenty, twenty five, mm-hmm. just because he, you know, he does a lot of the post production himself right. and stuff like that. But I think there's a way, like, of doing that as far as like weddings go too. Yeah. And like the the thing for me, it's not really. I don't know what the 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 amount of money that I would want to spend on a wedding, but and this is me recognizing that I am kind of in in like prison to like the idea of like a amazing looking wedding is that when my parents got married, like my mom did it, she just did it at the church, like our church we grew up in, but um, she designed and sold everybody's outfit. Wow. Like it was like very uh, Afrocentric, you know, with like, um, we had like uh, African garb and African designs and stuff like that. Oh, I think I've seen a picture of you. Yeah, you yeah, and yeah. Desmond. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gubba. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. seen that. No, not Gubba. Gubba wasn't alive. Oh, he wasn't there yet? Mm-hmm. Oh. But, um, but yeah, so that's like, that's me kind of acknowledging that, but also like, you know, understanding that, that I want something like that dope, you know? And yeah. it just like, it just, to me, it was like uh, an amazing event. And I'm so like, 
proud of my mom for that. So for me, I want something like something not necessarily on that scale, but something that well thought out and that well. You want like, a Wakanda designed. wedding? A Wakanda wedding. Everybody yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, you know what they like? You know what they say about weddings? Like it's not about the size; it's about the motion in the ocean. <laughs> so we're just gonna let Eddie sit in that uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say about weddings, man. Right? It's weddings, right? Yeah. Nah, exactly. but yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was really dope. Um, but there's some people, I've heard women say this. Like I've heard women say this shit. Mm-hmm. If they drive like a 2022 Lexus or something, and they be like, I can't talk to no dude with no car but less than mine. Like they really don't want to talk to a guy with a lesser car than theirs. Yeah. Like the the metric they use for love is it's backwards. They're using perception and finances as a way to disqualify somebody. Yeah. And that's ass backwards. I'm not saying that finances are not important. I'm just saying that like these things that people use as like forms of financial security are false. A car is a liability. Why would you use a car as a metric? Yeah. That's dumb. And a car is misleading as well. Because all you have to do is be able to afford $500, $600. All you need is good credit. Yeah. All you need is good credit. So it's and like pay the insurance. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's hilarious. There are people that drive way nicer cars than me and Keith and they don't make more money than us. Not at all. So it's like, yeah. what's the point yeah. of having all that shit? And you know what I mean? And we just have to change the way we think about um not just weddings, but just life in general. Yeah. Like you'll you'll see people that'll post a car and then they'll post like some little um um like what do you call it? like a little caption about like success or something? You like, dude, if you don't shut up, like nah, yeah, you, you want to flex, where's your land? You, yeah, where you, where's your uh, your assets? Yeah, where's your assets? Mm-hmm. Where's your land? Mm-hmm. You're posting a card talking about success, and then people on the internet are so stupid that they'll be like, "That's right, get your money," and it's like, bro, yeah, just because you posted a picture of a you know a, a Benz or a Maserati, that doesn't mean you really are successful. Yeah, I think that I was telling you this on the phone. I was like, man, I only only recently like did it um, really dawn on me the what certain artists and certain celebrities are doing to like reshape um, the narrative of wealth um, and what it looks like and what we should really put value in and like guys like i remember we made the joke a long time ago like who looks more homeless j cole or childish gambino um but this there's something very empowering to what they're doing um these are guys that are like the most successful in in their in their fields and genres and they dress really regular like j cole he, he probably like throws on some um some Balenciaga and stuff like that, but for like he'll go on he'll go on stage at a concert wearing Crocs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he went to see Barack Obama with like a sweatsuit on or something like that. Yeah. So it's just like shifting the narrative as far as like, but it, but what it does also it shows like little kids that especially if they grow up in the hood and ain't really got it like that, they don't have to like they're not idolizing like 50 cent with the G unit chain. Right. Spin. They're idolizing a person that's wearing sweats every day. So it's like, I could do that. A real person. Yeah. You look yeah. like a real person. Yeah. Not to mention like, what the fuck am I wearing Balenciagas for? Like, it's crazy how we wear all these brands, you know, the, the Gucci Balenciaga, 
you know, um, Dior and all these other mm-hmm. brands that like for what? Mm-hmm. Like it's just a stat. Like it'll be a T-shirt from Dior that's two hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Like all they really did was literally screen print a fucking Dior label on the front, and you spent two hundred and fifty dollars for it just to look, just to look like you are this like status symbol. Yeah, and that's the and and not to, to veer from veer off from the marriages, but a lot of marriages or a lot of a lot of uh, weddings, excuse me, are status symbols. Mm-hmm. People will literally go into debt over a fucking wedding. Do you know how many people in America are still paying for a ring that they can't afford? They're yeah. still paying off the wedding. The, the, the photographer's still getting paid in payments. The motherfucking... <laughs> yeah, the photographer's still getting paid in payments yeah. and shit. Uh, the, the, the staff, the, 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 the event that they use, they, they still paying them in payments. They still paying off the breast implants. They got their wife for the wedding. Yeah. Like, this is real shit. You think it's funny, but it's real. Yeah, the wedding, the wedding. I know some. Uh, well, hit me up if you want me to shoot your wedding. But I know some people that they charge like a good eight thousand. Yeah, to do photos for a wedding, mm-hmm. video too. Yeah, yeah. But they'll they'll take payments. They'll say, look, up front to for me to do the job, I'm gonna need twenty eight hundred up front, mm-hmm. I, or I'm I'm gonna need three thousand up front to down, know the down payment down payment mm-hmm. to know that you're serious. Like and you can pay me in increments of. You know, I'll take, you know, a month. It'll probably be like 800 or who mm-hmm. knows what. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is, is in order to do that, like, you got to have money. Mm-hmm. I, I personally, I say it like this. If I had a cheaper wedding, and the only reason why I would have a cheaper wedding is because, like, financially, I'm a regular person. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend $50,000 on a wedding, bro. But yeah. I'm not even thinking about marriage because I'm fucking far from it, right? Yeah. But if I was to have a wedding that didn't cost that much and my wife was completely cool with it and she's like, I don't care, I love you, right? When I get my money right, we're going to do it all over again. Mm-hmm. When I get my money right, I'm going to propose to her again. I'm going to get her a big ring. I'm going to have everybody fly back out or I'll fly them out. Yeah. And we're going to have a blast. Yeah. And the reason why I would give a woman a wedding like that is because she never asked for it. Like, she just loved me for me. Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't care about the initial wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, she just loved me enough to marry me. And that was a privilege for me. So when I get my money right, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be able to afford everything. I'm going to get her that rock for, like, a half a million dollars on her finger. You know? Yeah. I'm going to get her, you know, that beautiful wedding dress that she could frame up when she's done. I'll pay for all the bridesmaids' dresses. I'll pay for all the grooms' dresses. I pay for all the grooms dresses, groomsmen, whatever the fuck are they? What are they called? They wearing suits or tuxedos, like yeah, it's the, the groomsmen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I pay for all their shit. Mm-hmm. I pay for their shit. I'll just pay for the whole shit. Mm-hmm. It might even if it if I got it like that and I pay two seventy five or half a million dollars for everything, I'm not gonna trip because I already got the woman that I want. I won. Mm-hmm. I won. Yeah. I already won. Yeah. I'm just doing this for somebody that I appreciate and I want her to really remember this. Yeah. You know, but you got to make it there first, ladies. You know, and, and, and the divorce rate in California is even higher than anywhere else, I believe. I was listening to a podcast they were talking about it. That's rough out here. Yeah, man. It's hard out here for a pimp. <laughs> I think if if you are a woman out there and you have this idea of what um, 
what a wedding should look like or what your ring should look like and how much it should cost, I would just suggest um, really doing a deep dive on yourself. Yeah. And really, really looking at where that the origin story of, of that desire comes from. Um, because when you really when you really, you know, look back, it may be it may be a movie you watch. It may be a Disney yes. movie. It may be like I was saying before, yes. like a reality show. It may be Kim Kardashian. It may be like a celebrity or something. But um what what happens when you when you're imprisoned by those ideas, you're ridding yourself of true happiness. Because sometimes you can't it's not really achievable. And sometimes it's you you we shouldn't this is a different discussion. You you really shouldn't try to live a re- realistic lifestyle. I think that's how you end up like being very me- mediocre. But the reality is most people are not wealthy. Most people um, don't make $100,000 a year. Most people don't have $600 for an emergency. All these different statistics that are out there. So I think a better way of viewing how your wedding should look, how your ring should look, is by... Um, looking at it from genuine love, you know, and understanding that um, whatever your husband can't afford or whatever, sometimes the, the um, dad oftentimes like helps and chips in on, on the weddings and stuff like that. But, you know, just kind of making do with what you have. And I think um, you could kind of uh, rid yourself of happiness when you're going into your marriage already with this like, this negative energy based off of like the economics of it. So, yeah. Um, like you were mentioning, women are influenced by a lot of things, even the men that they date. So for example, you, you think that you want this ring. That's a half a million dollars because you seen on a movie that that ring. And if they don't get you that ring, they don't love you. And then your aunt's like, yeah, well, you know, he should be having this or he should pay for this. And all these different g- women groups around you are influencing everything you're doing within that wedding. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's actually destroying. If you take a moment to look at the women that are influencing you, ask yourself how many of them are in truly fruitful, loving relationships. I'm not saying who are married. Fuck a marriage. I'm talking about a loving marriage. You know how many people are unhappily married for the last 25 years? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about women who are truly loving and in good relationships. If you are taking tips from your aunt that's telling you like, uh-uh, if the wedding is not at least 100000 then he does not deserve to marry you, honey. Mm-hmm. There are people that really say this dumb shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, come on, man. Mm-hmm. And you might be influenced by, like, like you mentioned, maybe it's a movie. Maybe it's your peer group. Maybe it's the girl that, you know, um, your your homegirl, that's your friend, that she's not married, but she's giving you all the advice of the men you should be dating, and she can't keep a steady man herself. Yeah. And you you about to get married, mind you. You about to get married, and the one that's influencing your decision in, in a wedding is way away and far from a fucking marriage. She's still going through her whole phase. You yeah, taking she's, advice from her. She's still going through a whole phase. <laughs> she's about to fuck one of the groomsmen at the wedding. <laughs> right? <laughs> she's telling you about what you should be doing and she's going to get smashed out by one of your 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 husband's friends. Yeah. Trust me. I I've been to some weddings and people are people are fucking. <laughs> oh yeah. You think it's just a bunch of people up there up there for the bride and the groom? Nah, people up there hooking up. Yeah. 
As soon as they pronounce, I now pronounce you husband and wife. <laughs> the groomsman is like, like, call me. <laughs> call me. <laughs> Steven Jackson talked about when his wife or his 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 fiance, when she didn't sign that um she didn't sign that prenup before the marriage, and he just was crying because he he knew she was trying to get him for his money at that point. Mm-hmm. So he called the wedding off, but he paid a bunch of money. I think he said he paid like $275,000 or something like that, mm-hmm. right? And he was like, you know what? I'm not, you know, I'm not getting married, but I'm not going to ruin this event for all the people. So I want everybody to have fun. And uh, That's wild. Yeah, Steven Jackson said he was crying. Like, he was uncontrollably crying. And uh, I think it was Matt Barnes' mom, I think, was was there and gave him a hug or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said what he ended up doing is he got rid of his fiance, but he fucked her best friend that day. I <laughs> I don't. To me, that's not even funny. To me, that's like that just shows like you can't sex your way out of that sadness. No, no, no. But I mean, I don't I don't think it's cool, but I don't blame him either. But I think it speaks to the pedigree of women that she surrounded herself around. Yeah, yeah, it's just bad all around. Dog. Yeah, I don't think nobody wins in that situation. I don't, man, if you hey, look at the end of the day, he might have been crying, but he busted a fat nut that night. I don't blame him. Yeah, more power to you, Stephen Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> all right, switching gears. The Mexican pizza is back. Oh, it would be back May nineteenth mm-hmm. uh, to be more uh, specific. Um, I'm bringing this up because it's become uh, the talk of the town recently. Mm-hmm. It's been all over the place. Now, me personally, I could give no fucks about the Mexican pizza. I personally think it's underwhelming, okay? <laughs> it's got that red sauce that's just not that great, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, it's it's anti-Mexican. It is the opposite of Mexican. It's racist, too, I think. Yeah, it is a racist. It's, 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 it's definitely racist. It's definitely racist. <laughs> definitely a racist item. Yeah. You know, if you eat this thing, you you probably believe in building a wall. There you go. Yeah, very racist piece. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but uh this shit is just not that great to me. I'm sure some other people love it. Um, but yeah, I guess uh as of recently, uh Doja Cat was one of the people that was advocating for the Mexican pizza to come back. Mm-hmm. And you know, she gave herself a little more credit than she probably uh, should you know she was I guess she was like the Martin Luther King of Mexican pizzas Jesus. you know advocating to bring this thing back yeah. but here's a little th- here's a here's a directly from the Taco Bell's page um, from performances to petitions Taco Bell taps into fans pent up excitement to celebrate the return of the beloved item Irvine California April 18 2022 while rumors of the Mexican pizza uh, pizza's return have been swirling for months. It hasn't been publicly confirmed until now. From petitions to the memorials to merch, the the Taco Bell cult has rightfully been all but silent about its menu hiatus. Doja Cat, the voice of the Taco Bell people, was one of the first to confirm the news. This past weekend when she literally dropped the mic with the hot news of the Mexican pizza's return in May. But Doja wasn't the only fan who played a role in bringing back the Mexican pizza. Equally... Vocal with their pleas for mech- for menu items return were 200k and signers of a of a change.org petition spearheaded by a super fan uh Chris uh Dedar, whatever his name is Jack Gedardar mm, poor guy um <laughs> a le- leading we need better up to- last names huh so we need better last names right uh leading up to the May 19th 
uh, return. Fans expect more ways to get involved with this historical return. Here's my thing. First of all, while you're at it, Taco Bell, bring back the double-decker taco, okay? Yeah, that's and a wings. Real, that's a real American item, the double-decker taco. Yeah. Right? And we never even tried them wings. The we never got a chance to try the wings. It was wings. in the wing, this thing for like two days or something. Yeah, was, yeah, we tried to get wings, and it's like, sorry, we're out. Yeah. When again, sorry, we're out. You motherfuckers need to stop eating all the goddamn wings. Okay? <laughs> Me and Keith never got a chance to review them for the podcast. Yeah, that was going to be great content. Yeah. That's so fucked up. And I think, what were they called? Um, they just called wings. I know McDonald's, believe it or not, I forgot how many years ago, probably like 2013 mm-hmm. or 14, they had uh, McDonald's Mighty Wings. Yeah, Mighty Wings. Those so. motherfuckers were good. I remember those vividly. They was were that 2013? Like 2013 or 14. Dang. Them were some big ass wings though. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was. It tasted like um, they tasted like a McChicken, but it was actual chicken. Yeah, it had a bone in there. Yeah, the actual bone in it. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, McDonald's. Yeah. All right. They said it was a limited time only. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a limited item. There's certain items that come limited that don't come back, and you're like, no, like why? They should at least do them like seasonal when they hit. Because yeah. when those, I remember when those came out, it was that was it was a hot commodity. There's an item that started back in like 1999 or 98. Remember when when did Toy Story come out? The first one, like in the late 90s, right? Early 2000s, like like 99 or 98. I, I think, think so. Like 98. Yeah. And they had a burger at Burger King called the Rodeo Burger, but it was based off of Toy Story, and it was uh, the item for Woody. Really? That's it, the origin of it. Yeah, the origin is Toy Story, right? Yeah. So. I was getting them little rodeo burgers, and it was just basically a, a Burger King burger with cheese, and they had an onion ring with barbecue sauce. It's so fucking good. I still get those. It mugs smack. But it's not on the items list. It's a hidden item. You know what? I bought one. Um, what did I go to? When I when I I think I was dropping. I might. I was coming back from LA for some reason. Uh huh. And um, I, is there even a Burger King in Bakersfield? Yes, there is. There's, there's a few. Where is it at? There's one over off of 34th Street. I think it's 30. Yeah, 34. Oh, yep, 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 yep. There's yep. one off 34th. There's yep. another one that's on the east side of town on Niles, way Dang. down. There's another okay. one that's off of White Lane. Okay. The, yeah, but uh, so this is one is like off the Lion, the Lions exit or Lions Avenue exit um, coming back from, from L.A. Okay. Um, but... I was looking for it on the menu because, you know, sometimes when you order, you want to check the price, like yeah. make sure you ain't spending $50. But um, I just asked him because I didn't see it on there. I was like, damn. I was like, can I get a rodeo burger? I, I think I might have asked him, like, do you guys still have the rodeo burgers? And I was like, yeah, how many do you want? And then I just like told him or whatever. But yeah. rodeo burgers is fire, bro. What, what what did he sound like, the guy? I don't remember. He was like, oh, okay, sir. What would you like? Would you like a burger? <laughs> no. Every fast food person sound exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, I think they get like programmed. I think they like they they still they're still on fucking Windows ninety seven or something. Nah, I think uh, <laughs> I might have asked him. I was like, "Hey, can I get? Uh, do you guys still have the rodeo burgers?" He was like, "Buzz." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Toy Story looking at. Oh man, that's crazy. I did, I never knew that. that was, I learned something today. Yeah, that was like the origin story. Because I remember when I was like in the eighth grade, I think that's when uh, Toy Story came out. It was uh-huh. either 97 or 98. 
and the rodeo burger started with that cartoon as the theme mm-hmm. and that was one of the meals that it came it was like a rodeo burger meal mm-hmm. but it's like it's so deeply embedded within the menu it's not even on the menu that's crazy yeah back in the day dog i don't know why they got rid of it burger king had the coldest chicken tenders bro really you don't remember that shit Mm-mm. oh my god like jack not jack in the box but Burger King had the best by far chicken tenders. And then they replaced it with these bullshit ass chicken fries. Mm. Yeah, they're just not good, bro. Yeah. They're just not that good. I don't bro. know. I'll be wondering, like, I remember my uncle would always tell me, like, he would see these whack or these terrible marketing schemes. He'd be like, yo, this is really what's going on out here. Like, yeah. and it might have been, it might have been after like the the dominoes did the potholes. Like they, yeah, that shit was they put trash. their logo by the pothole and then they filled it up or whatever. And you just think like, bro, if th- these people, these like marketing, uh, chief marketing uh, officers or whatever, they, excuse me, their job title is, yeah, they probably getting paid like they probably getting paid half a million, half dollars a million a dollars a year to do this. Crazy, yeah. give me the job, motherfucker. I'll I take a pay that. cut, bro. I man, I have. Burger King popping. Give me 300K and I'll take that job and I'll do more with it than this nerdy motherfucker. Yeah. Like the same person that came up with those bullshit meals from Burger King called them the real deal meals. Yeah. And they called it the, the they used Nelly's real government Nelly. name. Yeah. Why would you use Nelly's Nelly. real government name? Niggas don't know his real name. Cornell Haynes? Yeah. You sound like a 75 year old black man. Why would you fucking come out with Cornell that? Cornell Haynes sound like an actor from the 80s. Yeah. Black exploitation <laughs> movies. Yeah, you sound like a black exploitation. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like one of those old 1970s pimp movies. <laughs> what can I get you, you jive turkey? <laughs> jive turkey motherfucker. Wow, 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 wow. That's the theme song. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to get one of them Cornell Haynes burgers. Wow, 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 wow. Yo, if you ever watch one of those old black movies in the 70s, dude, you will fucking cry laughing. Yeah. It's the worst acting ever. The dialogue is terrible. It's like, we got to keep the man out of our pockets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right on. Yeah, fool. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, home skillet? <laughs> like, like, when do people talk like this? <laughs> right on. On the black hand side. Right on, soul brother. <laughs> Right, weird stuff. <laughs> Yo, you know, I, th- some people are gonna get pissed off by this statement I'm gonna make, but one of the worst movies I've seen that that one of the worst movies that I've ever seen, but I didn't realize it until I got older, was New Jack City, and and uh, and, and here's why. Here's why New Jack dang. City was good in its time, but I've watched it and the lines are so corny and it's Dialogue. so. It's so fictitious. It's like so fictitious that I'm like, oh fuck no. There's a there's a line that Mario Van Peebles says in that movie, and it's so terrible. And now you know Mario Van Peebles is right. Mm-hmm. Mario Van Peebles in the movie, he said this line, and I was like, oh hell. He's like, I I need a new Jack cop for a new Jack gangster. <laughs> I'm like, nigga, this is the worst shit. You know what? It it um. Me just speaking from like a filmmaker's point of view, there's like um, eras of like screenwriting, right? right? So I think that um, they they used to like Hollywood it up, right? right they right. wanted a screenplay to sound like a screenplay. 
I think where we're moving forward um, now, like in 2022, 2021, is a space where like dialogue sounds a lot more like regular human beings having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in the day, and, and honestly, what happens too is like, <clears throat> sometimes like um, there was a lot of white screenwriters, right? And they have a way of like making things sound very like stale sometimes so i could i don't know who wrote new jack city city but i i would imagine that it was some some random white guy that you know told that story but yeah that's that happens like that's why those like it's a it's a joke whenever they talk about those like mafia movies like put your hands where i can see them like you know all all those like corny yeah yeah we're back in coming. business, boys. Yeah, all those lines. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be back here in 15 minutes. <laughs> Shoot this thing up. Get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be, yeah. Those those old karate movies are the same thing, too. They're pretty fucked up, too. Yeah. You talking about the chi- the ones that was, like, the, the Chinese ones where the, the mouth was moving? Yeah, not, not just those, <laughs> but the ones you heard in the skits of, like, Wu-Tang Mm-hmm. Like on a Wu Tang album, they would like run in these skits. Oh yeah, and like I'm gonna chop off your arm. Are yeah. you ready? Yeah. Like this was in yeah. they, they took all of those sounds from real movies, like mm-hmm. real karate movies. Mm-hmm. Like I've mastered the master technique of karate, of young Ku Do. Yeah. And even like though these are fucking terrible movies. Your powers can't surpass mine. I've been training every day for thirty-two hours. <laughs> like what? Yo, Dragon Ball Z got that whack element to it though. <laughs> I love Dragon Ball. Dragon Z. Ball Z would be like, "You fool! I've been training my whole life for yeah. this moment. Yeah, wait until I power up, and you're gonna see the true power of Jeet Kune Do." <laughs> This isn't even my final form. <laughs> and the whole time they're just staring at each other. It's like, y- y- y'all gonna fight? <laughs> On the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. Ah, boy, I used to be so hot. Yeah, I was like, when I first started watching Dragon Ball Z, I probably was in like the fourth grade. Mm. And I was just so invested in it. And it'd be, it'd be those... Um, those uh, filler episodes where niggas are just standing around for 30 minutes straight. <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> powering up, and then and then they do, and then the uh, the outro come on. Like it'd be so sudden too on the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. I wasn't I, I wasn't brought up on Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. but Dragon Ball Z when did that when did that really pop off? Like nineties, early nineties. Um, I got into it like I would say, um, like two thousand one, two thousand two. Yeah, yeah, that was your era. You were a little, <clears throat> but the, but it's. It's a um, it's, it's the, the American version because it was yeah, a, it was but it had been out probably two three years before. Yeah, in, is in, it uh, Japan? In Japan, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> yeah but I was into uh, Transformers. Transformers, fire. Yeah, yeah. back in the eighties, Transformers, Transformers, and fucking um, Transformers and uh, Thundercats. Thundercat is dope. Thundercats. They should. Shit. Oh man, I want them to make. That's like when you get like I want. I'm trying to. I have this plan or this goal, right? Where you like build up this career, um, and then you get you get the reins right. to where like producers are like, "Hey, what do you want to do next?" Like Ryan Coogler, he did um, uh, Fruitvale Station, and then after that, they were like, "Yo, so like, what do you what do you want to do next?" And then he brought back. 
the Rocky franchise. You know what mm. I mean? So that would be so dope. Like if I do a movie and then they're like, yo, like what do you want to do next? And you have like it's endless source material. Like a live action Thundercats movie would be fire. Like just so many other like shows yeah. we grew up on. Thinking about this too, you know the prequel <clears throat> to Transformers was actually Voltron. Yeah. Voltron. Voltron, they brought it back as a um T V show on Cartoon Network. Oh shit, I didn't yeah. see it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't it didn't have the same like pizzazz right. to it. Yeah, but it was there, there were certain when I was a little kid, there were shows that were that I used to watch that my dad watched as a kid. Yeah. Like one of them was uh, uh I think Space Ghost was one of them. Mm. Space Ghost. Yeah, I do remember that. Mm-hmm. And then there was another movie, not a movie, but there's another cartoon. Uh Fuck! It was it was damn it! I'm trying to remember what it was called. Johnny Quest. I knew you was gonna say that. Johnny yeah, fucking it was that Quest. Same. It was like Space Ghost and then Johnny Quest. Yeah, would, would come but on. I'm talking about the original Johnny Quest, <laughs> and they had like a dinosaur that shot things out his fucking horn, mm-hmm. and then it was like some Indian kid. I mm-hmm. guess he just was Indian, and then uh, I don't know what the Indian kid's power was. I think he was like a mental. I don't. Remember. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember much about the show, but I do remember the show. But I. But it, it's funny. Like that's the the. Like the power in like ownership and right. like just creating something timeless is that show like Johnny Quest. I don't even know when it originally came out, but that's multiple eras yes. of just re-airing. You know what I mean? And yes. probably and what happens with those shows too? Like say it's owned by ha- uh, Hansborough or something like that, or what is it called? Hasbro, um, and. They sh- they uh they own the the material. Maybe it airs on like CBS, you know, in the seventies. Then in the nineties, it might air on Fox. Then in the two thousands, it might transfer over to Cartoon Network, and they just selling the um, you know, selling the the brand of it. So that's like that's like the beauty in it. This is like like what you can do with a podcast. Like you know, we got so many episodes. Like if we. If we go solely with Spotify or we go exclusively with Apple, like we got uh, 200 episodes that we could just transfer over to any platform and get a bag. From, yeah. You know. I'm looking at the Johnny Quest, like the first episode. <clears throat> the first episode was in 1964. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, dude. My dad was a little fucking kid. Dang. Yeah. He's like, oh, I used to watch Johnny Quest. And then Space Ghost was another one. That shit was probably in the shit 60s, too, probably. Space Ghost. Man. You remember Birdman? Yep. Birdman was not, no. That was the one. Birdman. This shit is all old. Yeah. Let's see. Uh. Uh. I'm trying to think. But fuck all this. You know what, dude? Um, what's another item from another company that you wish came back? Like a like food or what food. you mean? Like food. Food. Um, I don't even know. That's hard to say. I was missing that orange high C when McDonald's decided oh, they brought it to, back. Yeah, remove that from the menu. They put some. They put some extra diabetes in that motherfucker though. <laughs> you drink it now, you like, ooh, this shit pure. It's <laughs> <laughs> some pure shit right here. <laughs> that shit'll put you into a fucking coma, boy. Yeah, yeah. That uh, the high C was a good original one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yo, back when I was in high school, like. You know, from my freshman year, I think they, mm, I think they came out like my sophomore year, so it was like two thousand one. 
And from 2001 to like 2003, McDonald's had these salad cups. Mm. And they called them uh, shaker cups. I remember those. And you, you put the lid on it and you, you pour shake it, it up. You shake it up. Mm-hmm. And then the ranch in there or whatever. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. you'd be eating out the cup. They didn't need to bring that back. Yeah. Them, them salads was cracking, bro. I would say one of the things, and this is me as a kid. I don't even know if I would like it now. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Pepsi Blues. I used to buy a oh, Pepsi no. Blue. I would buy it, and, and then I would... call that the Pepsi chemical. <laughs> I would buy it, and then I would freeze it overnight, and then I would take it to school, and it'd be Slushy. like a slushy. Uh, I'd be smacking it. You know you're not supposed to freeze anything in a <clears throat> bottle either, right? Yeah, but... Because it bleeds, the plastics bleed into the actual drink. Mm-hmm. So you was drinking Pepsi plastic. That mug was fire, though. Oh, man. plastic in there. Yeah, there's certain drinks that shouldn't come back. Uh, Pepsi Blue is one of them, and Surge... Yeah. Oh my God, Surge was so fucking nasty, man. Mm-hmm. Surge was nasty. Um, remember Slice? Is that an orange? The soda. I, it it, it they, had different flavors. It had orange slice, lemon slice. It was wasn't I very don't good. That. Uh-uh. You know why I haven't seen? I think it's still around, but I don't ever see it anymore. It's Sierra Mist. Yeah, I I don't. I rarely see it like in stores, yeah. but um, Taco Bell has like. Uh, Sierra Mist is a Pepsi product? I'm not sure, man. Yeah, I think it's a Pepsi product. So, um, you know, like, you, have, you, I'm sure you've been to a restaurant where you'd be like, hey, can I get a Sprite? And they're like, well, we have Sierra Mist. Is that okay? Yeah. Because some store, you know, certain, depending on the brands, because the right. Sprite is a Coca-Cola thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's a lot of drinks. Fruitopia was one. That shit was good. They got Fruitopia. rid of it. Don't know what. Fruitopia it, no more? No, nah, Fruitopia is gone. They only, they only have it, like, in a different, like, in a different country they got uh-huh. it. Damn. Yeah, they got it like I think in like uh, Canada or something like mm-hmm. that. They ain't got that shit nowhere else. Imagine having like Tampico from a, <laughs> from a, like a soda machine. Oh no, that would be disgusting. Yeah, it's gonna be a straight syrup coming out. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, fructose corn syrup. Uh, you know the worst is when you can see when the machine is broke down a little bit, so you can see the water and the syrup mixing together. Yeah, like <clears throat> you just be like dog, I'm gonna die. And then you'd be like, hey, man, I think your machine is broken. No, it's perfectly fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. No. The machine is nothing wrong with the machine. <laughs> what they do is they go over there. Because broken to you and broken to them is two different things. I can still make money off this. <laughs> <laughs> they go over there. They go over there and press it and then drink it. This drink is perfectly fine. Perfectly it's good. Here, try it. It's only a little bit of dirt. Not a lot, not a lot of dirt inside. They used to, I remember I went to A1 and I like, I don't, you just do st- stupid kid stuff. Yeah. And um, I just like pushed the thing or something randomly. I, I might have like put my cup under there and just try to drink a little bit of soda. Yeah. Uh, and they was pissed off. What nope. are you doing? What are you doing? That? Well, put it back. Get out the fear right now. Get out of my store. Don't come back. I remember this one Indian guy cussed me out because I asked, I was like, yo, why is this candy bar, the price of this candy bar is so high? <clears throat> He's like, if you don't like it, get out, right? And I was like, I just asked, like, and then he just said, get out. And I was like, man, fuck you. He's like, fuck you, my friend. Fuck you. <laughs> you can't tell that to your friend. It's <laughs> like, yo, what the fuck? And I'm not your friend. Now I'm confused. He's telling me to fuck myself and calling me my friend at the same time. You know who probably has the most friends on Facebook? Who? Is an Indian man. Why is that? Because every time they see somebody, it's their friend. Oh, this guy. 
Uh, what did that? Where did that come from? I don't know. I think it's. I think it's something uh, like a transitional, like American thing, like a tra- like translating something. Yeah, oh. yeah. Like like when people come here and they learn the language or something, they probably teach them to say. Yeah, I'd be seeing. I'd be seeing because it's always like a term of endearment. Yeah. Even like if you're going now, they don't say my friend a lot. They'll say like bro. Yeah, now they switch. They they've upgraded it now. Yeah, that'll be two ninety five, bro. That'd be two ninety five, my black brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. My mom told me a wild thing, and this is like just personal, like mm-hmm. that we would know. So the people that own A one, and then you know, uh, you know, in my grandma's neighborhood, there's that, uh, there's the um, the Chevron right there on the corner. Uh, what? Where? You know when you go into my grandma's house? Yes. So we get off on that street, and that's a Chevron it's with a McDonald's, the McDonald's. Next to it. And then across the street, it's like a liquor store yes. and a Rite Aid and stuff. Yes. The people that own A1 own that store, too. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. That's so fuck. That's crazy. <clears throat> I was like super random. Yeah. Imagine how much shit that they, that they own. Getting money. Killing God. niggas and getting money. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. More power to him. Could you own a liquor store? Me? Mm-hmm. If I didn't work in that motherfucker, I could. <laughs> I'm not about to sign up for that death, that death <laughs> sentence. You could have a perfect day. Every day is going right. Hey, sir, you have a good one. Next motherfucker coming there and blow your head off. you like, God uh, damn. Trying to rob you and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're trying to rob me. I'm just trying to make a living, man. I, I, just, think, I just think that they make probably the majority of their money on liquor. And I don't know if I could stomach that, just selling liquor to people in the ghetto. I mean, honestly, if we if we keeping it real, like how much different is liquor than fast food? That shit is right. all killing you. If that's fair, and people and niggas own liquor companies, so yeah. yeah. Like I just you know I don't know I have a different moral code. I guess it's not even a moral code. <laughs> it's just that like. You may morally feel like you don't want people to sell alcohol. I get it. But, like, if motherfuckers selling, these corporations selling McDoubles and shit, and we know McDoubles is killing people. Yeah. Like, we know we know that. Yeah. I don't even, I hardly even order McDoubles no more because they be making me feel weird now. Yeah, that's right. I don't know what, they using some new chemical in their burgers over there at McDonald's. Yeah. That shit fucking, I just stick to the McChickens and filet fish now. Yeah. I haven't had a filet fish in a minute. Oh, the filet fish man. I went there on a Friday and ran it up. Brother, fresh though. Oh, fresh! Fresh fillet of fish is elite, bro. It was so fresh that I could taste the fillet of fish and a little bit of the box. Like the box, <laughs> the box had marinated. It like into, it was so hot, it kind of seeped into. Yeah, it kind of yeah. marinated the box. Yeah, that's facts. Yeah, I could like taste the. the sometimes I could taste. I could taste the graphics on the box. <laughs> sometimes it'd be so hot, <laughs> and the bun be like when you get it fresh, fresh. The bun be low key still wet. Yeah, because they dip it through the little toaster thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That mug's fire. Like, as soon as I opened the box up, it was like, now make it pop, make it drop. This is a wet-ass <laughs> pussy. I'm like, damn. As soon as I opened the box, <laughs> fuck. Mug, you got Cardi B rapping out of there. I was like, and then when you close it, it'd be like, make it pop, you close it. <laughs> Open it back up. <laughs> you know what I do when I get, and I, I think everyone does this. I think most people do this, but they don't realize it. When you open up that box from a Big Mac or a mic or a, a fillet of fish. I know what you gonna say? What am I gonna say? You put the fries on. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I put the fries in, in the box. You got to. You got to, man. Yes. When you open uh, that filet of fish or Burger King box, you yeah. pour the fucking fries in it. Yeah. And then you can put condiments in there too if you want to. Mm-hmm. They might, you know what they need to do? McDonald's, man, they might as well create like some type of integrated fucking uh box with fries in that. And, and it, already in there, huh? Yeah, so that if you would get, be fire. So as soon as you open up the fries, just chilling in there. Yeah, it's a little cubby hole with the fries. Like, yeah, that'd be, dope. that'd be dope. Yeah, I've been doing that for I don't know how long, bro. Yeah, that's, that's funny. That's nuts. That's hilarious that you caught that. Though. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everybody else is thinking that. Like I'll put my fries in there. Now I remember when I was we was we stopped at Wendy's or something. <clears throat> in your car, mm-hmm. and then I low key invented a new little. Fry oh my hole. god! <laughs> this nigga created a, a, a was it a French fry holder? <laughs> it's like a crease in my door in my car, and keep just stuck the fries in there. And we're going, we're on a on a highway, I think. Yeah, we go. I'm going like almost eighty miles an hour, and the fries don't fall down. They don't budge. I was so, like, this if anybody nigga. Anybody got like a little. Little side panel where like the drinks might go, or yeah. like, you know, a little compartment for your keys or whatever. You could stick your fries in there. Keith's IQ <clears> is <throat> is very high. <laughs> he just stuck it in there, <laughs> and I'm driving, not paying no attention. I look, and the fries is just in there. That's the first time I've ever did that. It was just regular. It this just nigga felt fa- like I was supposed to go there. This nigga found a fry compartment on my car. Yeah, and he just was like, Tch. "I should be the new MacGyver." Yeah, right. Yeah. MacGyver. MacGyver is the only motherfucker to have a paper clip and a and a, and some bubble gum and create a fucking bomb. <laughs> like, damn. That was wild. Them shows back in the days of the trip. MacGyver, the A Team. Remember the A Team? Mm-hmm. A Team had that van. Yeah. Yeah. Some show some of those show they be doing some reboots to some yeah. of these shows, and I feel like they they were just time pieces. Yeah. Like, they not, they don't need to reboot everything. They don't age well. <clears throat> like, another one is, like, Miami Vice. You don't want to... They, they try to bring that shit back, too, for a minute. With Jamie Foxx and... Uh, they did a movie. Oh, they did a movie? Because mm-hmm. you know it was a show. Yeah. Yeah, that shit didn't age right. Because I think the, uh, the, uh, the original one was the, the Latino dude was a cop. He was, like, a cop. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, no, no. I'm thinking of the wrong thing. What's the one with the cop that was on a, on a motorcycle? I don't know. But Miami Vice was like that. It was like a cop duo type thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was it a white dude and a Latino dude? I think he was black, <clears throat> but I'm not sure. I might be wrong. Oh, shit. I'm getting it mixed up because it was another show. It was a number, uh, another show. Hold on. Miami Vice. And it's, uh, no, it's, it's a black dude. It's uh, uh, Don Johnson and Philip Michael Thomas. Okay, yeah, it's a different. Mm-hmm. That that shit was in the in uh, eighty four, but it's another show with the bike with the motorcycle cop. People are gonna be listening that are older, and they'll be like, "Is this show? Is that show?" Imagine them rebooting Matlock. Oh fuck no! <laughs> if you want to reboot Matlock, all you gotta do is just get Joe Biden. Joe Biden to do it. That's hilarious. Yo, did you see what Joe Biden <clears throat> did, bro? What do you do? This nigga Joe Biden, god damn. Joe Biden had said his is his speech piece. He walked off the stage, gave an imaginary handshake, 
got confused and then walked the other direction. <laughs> Joe Biden is a robot, bro. This Joe Biden is turning into an owl, bro. <laughs> like you just see the back of his head and his thinning hair, and then he just walks the other way, bro. <laughs> it is the most. You know, we need to get a. We gotta get a. We gotta put a monitor up here, dude. Mm-hmm. We gotta put a monitor up here so people can see what we're talking about because that yeah, shit was crazy. Good. I'm like, what the fuck did I just see, man? <clears throat> I'd be forgetting Joe Biden is a president. Me too, bro. This is probably one of the most embarrassing embarrassing administrations, mainly because like this guy doesn't know where he's at. Yeah. He shouldn't be president, bro. He should be somewhere taking a nap. People fought so hard to get to make sure Donald Trump didn't win again, and then that was it. Like, that was it. It's just Joe Biden. But it, it was like, we're, we're not even concerned about who the president is. We just right. didn't want Donald Trump in there. Right. Donald was a moron. I think the only reason why he didn't win was due to his ineptitude, right? Yeah. Dealing with the dealing with COVID, people losing their lives, people losing jobs. Then you got Biden there, and this motherfucker, God damn! This. <laughs> if Trump was like one percent more of a decent person, he would have won. He would have won easily. Yeah. He's just a terrible guy. You lose to Joe Biden, that speaks volumes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's nuts. Because now I I ain't seen Kamala in about four months. Yeah. Kamala somewhere having a she about to have a hot girl summer and nobody <laughs> know where she at. I was like, damn. Yeah. Yo, Kamala low key, hey, look, Kamala low key got a body, bro. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. I was in shock. Mm-hmm. She had like she was like working out. Yeah. And she had some leggings on. I was like, what? Yeah. You could she, be she's still, I don't know where she sometimes like. She looks good, but sometimes like you can look a little older. She looks a little stressed out. Yeah. So I seen like sometimes like you'll see an actor in person and you'd be like, dang, they look a little older in person than they do on TV with all the makeup and stuff. But yeah. She does look good though. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's doing all that dancing and shit <clears throat> to get elected and they got elected and this shit has just been downhill. Been chilling. It has been embarrassing. Yeah. All right. Let's Maybe move. something fresh in there. I want somebody like whether I'm not voting for a Republican, but whether like a Republican or a Democrat, we just need like somebody that genuinely deserves to be the president. I feel like we haven't had I, that in a good 12. Like I would say George Bush wasn't like really fit to be president. Nah, yeah, he was stupid. Yeah, I just want somebody that's like, 4.0 in college, Ivy League graduate. You know what I mean? Just somebody that deserves to be. Honestly, I don't care about crossing the party lines. Like, I would vote for a Republican if they were, if they actually were decent. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'd rather vote for a Republican that is not, that is not like the stereotypical Republican doing everything for the party. Yeah. Like, if it was a Republican that actually was a decent human being. That actually had good policies. I'd rather vote red than vote for Biden. Yeah, because yeah, because I mean, if you if somebody told me if I had to vote between Mitt Romney, which I'm not a fan of, but Mitt Romney and Biden, bro, you vote for Mitt Romney. I would probably end up going for Mitt. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I just don't see. I don't see it for myself as far as like the way my beliefs align and then also we live in california wouldn't make much of a difference as far as like who the president is true um but yeah i I just like what barack obama i was genuinely impressed by him as like you know his resume but i feel like 
guys like George Bush who, you know, see average students is just like not very well spoken. Fool me twice, uh, can't fool me again. Yeah. <laughs> he do got a mean like shoulder roll though. Um probably oh, something man. that rivals Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. He dodged that shoe. He dodged he they oh, two shoes. Yeah. Motherfucker threw a shoe at him, he was like, Whoa. <laughs> and then afterwards he cracked a joke. Mm-hmm. He's like, Yeah. Almost got me. <laughs> yeah, Bush Bush was you I look back at some of the shit Bush did and that shit was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Oh, it was hilarious. Uh-huh. All right, let's move on. Switching gears. Uh DJ Envy's wife. Um, she spoke about faking orgasms for ten years. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a tough that's a hard pill to swallow, man. Yeesh. To have sexual relations with your wife for that long and mm-hmm. she's not getting off. All right, DJ Envy admitted his wife fake orgasms for 10 years. It hurt me because I thought I was pleasing my wife. Uh, Communication is essential in any relationship, and that's especially true in the bedroom. After all, if you don't have good sexual communication, you could end up faking orgasms for 10 years. Just ask DJ Envy's wife, Gia Casey. The Breakfast Club host and his wife are bearing it all in a new book titled Real Life, Real Love, Uh, Life Lessons on Joy, Pain, and the Magic that Holds Us Together, which was released on April 19th. In an interview with The Shade Room about the book's release, the couple discussed a particular chapter titled Faking It in a Relationship. In a portion of the book, the couple reveals the fact that Casey faked orgasms for a full decade of a couple's relationship. Okay, here's what I have to say, and no, I've never heard anybody say this. Any woman, first of all, first of all, I think what happened is is it's been documented that he cheated on his wife, right? Mm-hmm. So when you cheat on your wife or your, your girl or whoever, your wife or your girl does not look at you as, as a good leader anymore. You led the wrong way. So they lost a lot of respect for you after you did that, right? Um, and even if they take you back, there's just certain things that you can't go back on. And what I'll say is this. Any woman who will fake orgasms for 10 years... For 10 years, is 100% cheating on you. She is 100% cheating. She was cheating during that time. Nobody said this, but I'm going to say it because I, I live in the real world. Somebody was fucking her the right way during that time. Women know when they have good sex and bad sex. For 10 years, you have, you're that disconnected from somebody to where you are faking orgasms. You don't have how how much joy can be in your life, and how much can you love somebody when you do that for ten years? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's mm-hmm. wild. And the thing about it is, is if a woman's cheating back, she's not gonna feel bad about it. But that part is not probably gonna be in the book. Mm-hmm. I just and I know people <clears throat> are people are like you can't accuse her of cheating. She never admitted it. That's not right. Trust me. Somebody was fucking her right during that time period. Somebody was getting it here and there, or maybe somebody she had met in between. They might have had a brief breakup, but for 10 years, you fake orgasms for 10 years. That's his fault for making an assumption, and it's her fault for not communicating that to him. Mm -hmm. But that's embarrassing. And then the fact that it's in a book and it's documented. Now everybody knows I had weak dick for 10 years. (laughs) That's crazy, man. Like, yeah. I've had episodes where I probably had some weak dick here and there, but I got a pretty consistent batting average. I'm batting at 300. 
Okay. Which is not that great. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty good in baseball. Is it good in baseball, but not in the real real life? Oh no, I'm really. It's thirty percent. I mean, uh, well, I mean, uh, let's let's bring the average up. <laughs> let's bring it up. It, it, yeah, in baseball terms, it's pretty good. You get to the Hall of Fame, but yeah, I say I'm saying on a consistent <clears throat> basis, you know, sixty-seven to seventy-four percent. <laughs> the rest of that percentage, you know, sometimes there's some weak dick in there. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, you know, sometimes you bust quick. You know, some, you can't help it. Yeah, you need the Roman swipes. Whip, whip, <laughs> whip, whip. <laughs> um, the thing, me, I don't. Ne- that's not my stance. I don't um, necessarily agree with um, that idea. Um, one because I don't have context. I know oftentimes I I don't necessarily like making these grandiose statements without knowing the full context because um, I haven't read the book and I know like so I'm sure in the book they talk about the age in which this happened, um, the time frame in which this happened. DJ Envy got, um, he said that they were together since they were like 15 years old. Exactly. That's so, another reason why I assume <clears throat> they're cheating, but go ahead. So um, in terms of like 10 years could be like from 16 to 26 or mm-hmm. whatever. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily, so, sometimes what happens too is, um, the faking the orgasm is one thing, but not for a woman not to have an orgasm is like pretty regular. Um, I think that mm. she probably just felt like when you I think when you've had sex with somebody for so long and just a singular person, um, you are almost like basing what the response should be for whatever based on like porn or mm. like something you've you've seen, you know, in in a video or whatever the case may be. So she probably put it in her mind that like when I am tired of having sex that I just act like I had an orgasm. Um, But I just, I just know that for like a lot of women, um, they find it very hard to have an orgasm. Yeah, that's true. And I think that you know, the important thing that they actually discuss is the, like, the communication aspect of it. Like, it's if you're in a relationship, if you just kind of, like, sleeping around with whomever, then it's just, like, you know, you're just, uh, you know, just swinging for the fences, I guess you could call it. But, yeah, um, yeah I think, like, it's, 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 it's so nuanced because sometimes, like, women be in their head, women be, like, insecure about their body. Yeah, it's and, all kinds of it's shit. It's just all, all kind of stuff that goes on. Um, outside of the actual performance. And, you know, who knows, in, in terms of their relationship, he might not have even done much different outside of, like, a little bit of foreplay, you know? So, True. who knows? Who knows? But, <clears throat> but that, that, and to me, I don't I don't necessarily, that at least they don't seem embarrassed about it because they put it in their book, but it's, um, it's, it just, it happens, you know? I think the faking part is the big the yeah, big thing, but not having an orgasm is just pretty regular. That's true. And you got to think about an orgasm is not as common as, for women, it's not as common as it probably yeah. should be. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to make, you're really not going to make a woman have an orgasm every time. Like women are very, they have a, their body is very complex. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I remember yeah. like I had a time where, and I, this is, you know, maybe TMI, but I was, you know, I was pretty much given a decent performance. And, you know, and then afterwards, this is the question you never ask. You should never ask this question. So we get through having a session. It's a pretty decent session, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, I was like, 
hey, uh, she was like, I, I don't know why I asked this, but I was like, oh, oh, did you come? She was like, no, I didn't, but it was good. Yeah. And I was like, what? And then in my mind, I was in my head, I'm thinking like, how is sex good if you didn't come? I think for for women, sometimes like, and sometimes it's the guys, sometimes it's them. Like it's just so like it, like I said, it's so nuanced because some of it is psychological, some of it is is physical. But some of them have just come to terms with the fact that they're not going to come all the time, and they are just like enjoying the journey. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that sounds like a diary, like a diary entry. Yeah. I may not come every time, but I enjoy the journey of not coming. <laughs> I, I just I would just hope that like if you are um in some type of like long term relationship that you guys would develop like that open line of communication. Like, hey, I like this, I don't like this, you know, maybe this is my favorite position. This is not, right. You know, just- the, the communication is important. But one thing is, is important as a man too is just be quiet when it comes to like, like sex stuff, mm-hmm. like, like in, in the act of it too, don't say anything because it's almost like you're trying to coerce a woman into giving you good feedback. Yeah. They're a like, lot of yeah. women like, like talk, talking though. Well, they like, if you have that sexual chemistry, yeah, then that's different. Mm-hmm. Like they'll be like, they want you, some women want you to talk and shit. Yeah. But like, don't take it upon yourself to just do that right off the bat. Especially oh yeah, with, I got you. Like a new woman, you like that, huh? You like when I do that? Yeah, you You're like, like this four inch dick, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's going all the way in there, huh? It's going deeper than you thought. <laughs> it's going deeper than you thought. <laughs> you don't want to coerce a woman into like. Saying yeah. something to boost your ego. Yeah, yeah. Like when yeah. you're really giving it to a woman in a decent way, like they're gonna let you know. And and especially if you have some experience, you'll be able to tell like if this is like a decent response or if it's kind of like yeah, you know. And it, it, and then then you always don't know because some women are really loud, and you'd be like, oh my god, she's just fucking faking. It's so annoying. Yeah. But they're not faking it. Like they're yeah, really, really getting really. off. You just be knowing your regular moves. They're like, God, 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 <laughs> God, 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 God. I'll be like, God ain't got nothing to do with this dick. Okay? God ain't got nothing to do with this dick, girl. God it's, also doesn't approve of this message. So no, I don't. I need you to switch it up to something. God is like, will you stop bothering me with this shit? Yeah. I'm going to need you to yell Buddha or something. Yeah. Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. <laughs> like, ah, ah, Islam. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eddie getting canceled. No, no. <laughs> I wasn't playing, man. Oh um, man, I ain't gonna front though. I have definitely faked an orgasm myself. I think a lot of men have. Yeah, and and it's it's only because, and I hate to say this, but it's <clears> only because it's a little bit of uh, protecting a woman's ego from your end, like a woman that's giving you really bad fellatio. Mm. Like, you can't fake an orgasm getting getting head though. Uh, not always. You could do it through through the sex. Like, yeah. and what it is though, I think that there's some men that are just they're such dogs. They're such dogs, and in, in any side of any vagina, they just gonna bust off. Mm-hmm. But there's some men like with us that we have to be turned on. Like I have to be stimulated in order that in order to bust. Yeah, it's it's what I realized um, too is like there's certain things that like. I get turned off by um, women, right? Yeah. One thing is like when it's like a casual thing and then the girl is like 
expecting like romantic like a romantic situation yeah that's like it turns me off it it, because it's like it literally is um it's not so much the expectations thing but it's like i don't need to like this doesn't have to be something where it's like raunchy sex where i'm slapping you in the face or some shit like that yeah but like you trying to have sex with me like this is a novella or something yeah, exactly. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like, you want me to make love to you. Yeah, that's and that's, I barely even like you. Yeah, and that's kind of like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. It, it just it, it it makes you feel a little awkward because then you don't want to you. It like if you have a heart as a man, you don't want to like put a woman in a weird position. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You don't want to like hurt her feelings, and you don't want to go along with it. Like you don't want to be. You got to put the foot down. Yeah, you got to put your foot down because if you if it's too much compassion mm-hmm. in there that's how women that's how women like will view you as a piece of shit mm-hmm. when you when you do when you kind of allow her to like initiate this romantic thing and then you go along with it and you do that just to get laid mm-hmm. and then she's like these guys ain't no good and it's like no i don't yeah i, I don't i don't love you no it is no, and it's and it's like i don't have to and you don't have to have sex with me either like no, you, that's you, great. Yeah, you that's don't, a great point. You don't, you don't owe me sex. I don't feel entitled to your body. But if we're going to have sex and that's what we're doing, that's fine. But don't try to coerce me into doing a romantic, uh, emotional, overly kissing, overly like <clears throat> cuddling type stuff. It's just yeah. too much. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah, it, it's like... And I don't know about other guys in this situation, but I feel like guys always have to be the person that sets the the structure of yeah. that sort of thing. Because if it was up to a woman, like it could be the most casual thing, and she would want to go shopping with you, yeah, whining and dining, and you know, holding hands through the mall. You, but y'all just don't got no title. I hate to say this. I hate to say this because it's gonna make me sound like a complete asshole. But in some ways, you have to protect women from themselves. Yeah. Because what happens is, is if you have sex with them or you do something, it could be anything. You having sex and y'all doing every sexual thing, the oral, everything, mm-hmm. right? Um, what can happen is, is you, if you keep going along with it, once you see certain behaviors from a woman, now it became your problem. Yeah. Because once you've seen her needing this affection, you're like, you know what? I can't give you that amount. I can't give you that type of affection, mm-hmm. right? You deserve that affection, but you deserve it from a man. That somebody you, that's, somebody yeah. that wants to be with mm-hmm. you. And by the way, I don't have to be with you. Yeah. Right? I'm not, and, and I'm not the asshole because... So here's the thing. If I literally... <clears throat> if, if I literally... I would literally like have to never get no pussy in order to... Um, be this perfect gentleman, but even good men get laid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like even the best men that women think about, they're getting some pussy. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the truth. And the best women out there, the wife material, they're getting fucked. Mm-hmm. Like all the way up until they meet the man of their dreams, it's somebody fucking them. Mm-hmm. I don't know when, mm-hmm. but somebody's fucking them. Be- that women could deny it all they want and say, "I'm celibate. I ain't had sex for three months." Uh, you know the same little. Dibbity doo da, mm-hmm. the lie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that's where that's how we are as human beings. Like, yeah, I, th- I think what you said is like um, important too. Like, it's not 
this is supposed to be like a we're coming to an understanding. This is right. an agreement that we've had together. Right. Um, and I didn't ask you to be this is in re- a relationship. This is Renna Center. <laughs> this is Renedick. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you don't pay the least, then you gotta return it. This dick is as is, no warranty. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But no, I think like when you um yeah, that, that's, it's just so it's um I understand like sex is uh, a very like sensual thing. Like you guys are sharing your body together. Um, and you're very, it's very intimate. Um, and in even in order to, in even to get to that, it generally requires some sort of like hanging out. Yes. Whether it's going to a movie or yes. watching a movie at the house. Like it, you know, generally doesn't um, result in just like showing up and having sex. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can understand how like things could get, get very confusing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think we was having this conversation maybe, um, over the phone, but the when you start to look at like the landscape of like what casual sex generally turns into, it makes me think more about the idea of like paying for an escort, Ouch. and not not like you know that you need, I need it or whatever, but just because like sometimes you just don't feel like entertaining someone. Like you don't feel yeah. like the you, it's a process, right? Like yes, there's a process. Out, yeah, uh, you got to go to BJ's. Um, you got to watch Netflix, a terrible movie, and then mm. you you got to watch like seventy percent of the movie. Like it's just a whole thing that you have you, to <clears throat> you have to you have to convincingly believe or act like you believe that she's not like I don't normally do this, but like you have to act like you don't see that she really wants to fuck. Yeah. Because women really want to have sex, but the truth be told is they feel judged, so they put on this act like, you know, like, I'm not ready or I don't really want to do this right now. And it's like, that's that to me, perfect. Like, I'm the type of dude, you don't have to explain that to me. Mm -hmm. I don't feel, I I, I don't feel like women are obligated to do anything for me, Mm -hmm. right? But all of, all the things that lead up to us actually having sex, I never, I've never in my life had to mislead a woman ever, ever. I've never had to disrespect, like, I don't disrespect women. So I've never had to lie to them, disrespect them, mislead them in any way, or coerce them into having sex with me. Mm -hmm. So I have a clear conscience the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. And then when I get, I'm having sex, I'm just like, well, we did this as a collaborative. Yeah. Right? And then if they get mad, like, I've literally had to have a conversation with a woman in the past that says you're just like everybody else and you just did you just used me for sex or whatever. And by the end of that conversation, she was apologizing to me. Yeah. Because I literally did nothing to make her feel that way. I just think that because I I conduct myself in a respectful way mm-hmm. and I don't lie like a lot of men. I don't try to coerce women into having sex like a lot of dudes do or put up a front or fake that she probably actually liked me as a human being. Mm-hmm. And being as that was the case, I had to tell her like, hey, I didn't I didn't do anything. I didn't even feel like I didn't I didn't feel I didn't even have any expectations for what you should have done or not done. So it's like, why are you mad at me? Like what did I yeah, do? Yeah, yeah. It 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 could I guess in her situation, it could all look the same, right? Right. If you see somebody that's like being nice to you and then there's a guy that's lying, there's a guy that's like, you know, 
maybe got a girlfriend, maybe got a baby mom's, maybe yeah. got a whole other life that he's just lying about, yeah. or he maybe just lying to get into your pants. And then you got somebody that's just a genuinely nice person. Those are like, that's the worst position to be in as a as a guy that's not looking for, or that doesn't want to be in a relationship with this specific person. Yeah, because you kind of like you you're almost better off being mean. You're almost better off being like that other guy that she was comparing you to, mm-hmm. but that's just not your character. Exactly. So you kind of you kind of in this like gray area where it's like, yeah, no, I don't want to be your boyfriend, but also like you know the sex is cool, right? But I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna masquerade as that guy that that acts like he hates you or the guy that does hate you or or, or lies to you to get laid just because that's not who I am. Yeah. You know what I mean, and mm-hmm. that's that's one of the things that like de- decent men battle with. I think some of the most decent dudes probably get laid the least, only because it's a fucking hurdle. That's where the whole conversation of an escort came in. Yeah, because like at least for an escort, like if you was to pay for an escort, she would just know the assignment. Yeah, but with with women that you build like that you build this relationship with, you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to lie to them. You don't want to do any of these things. But the problem with that is, is the woman is giving the pussy away to a bunch of liars. Yeah. Yeah. A a bunch of men lie and cheat just to get some ass. And she's so accustomed to that, that sometimes when you come around, she's like, wait a minute, let me hold the pussy from him and see if he wants to be my boyfriend. (laughs) I think the... the, the (laughs) The way I look at it, like the ideal, I guess, friend with benefits or no string, whatever you call it, is like somebody you actually get along with. But both of you guys understand that this is like we're not going to get married. This mm. is like this is just a thing. This is a, a kind of an era that we are going through. Right. Um, but I think the thing that I, I often see and I like in the past have told myself this in my head. Like a girl would be talking, and some girls just be chopping it up. Like, yeah. you'd be on the phone with them, um, and you guys may be talking for like an hour. You may have got like fifteen minutes of conversation in on your oh, side, yeah. and they spend in the next you know forty five minutes or whatever, like of them just just listening to themselves talk. Yeah. Um, so there's been a, a time where I've I've been sitting there like listening to that conversation like man I just want to have sex with her I don't want to, I don't want to hear this conversation <laughs> and it sucks that I'm even thinking about that but but I'm you're like, human though yeah I think you're you're human and it's okay to have these thoughts because women have these same <clears throat> these very primal thoughts themselves mm-hmm. I've heard women from their mouths be like oh my god I want to fuck him so bad. I've heard women yeah. say this. Yeah. So it, it's just a natural thing that we do. It does not make you a bad person mm-hmm. that you want to have sex with this woman. It's it's just it makes you a bad person when you're willing to deceive somebody in order to get that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that that's I, I think that a lot of women cannot read us very well. They need to do a better job at that. And I think men need to instead of men lying and and being deceptive to get some ass, they should just be honest. Yeah. But but here's the thing. There's a difference. You can be honest, but don't be blunt honest. Mm-hmm. Like you can't tell a woman I'm just trying to fuck. Yeah. Yeah, don't do that. You can't yeah. you can't do that cuz mm-hmm. then it'll it'll put put a woman in the position where she feels horrible. Especially if 
There's women that are like, just tell me up front. I like, tell me, like, be a man and tell me what you want. Like, n- women are not ready to hear that. And it, that doesn't work. That does not work. They do not want to hear that shit at all. Even the, <laughs> I mean, we know it's not true because you look at like old Tinder profiles and it'd be like, not here for hookups. And then, you know, you go on one date with them and then you're already smashing. Yeah, like, not here for hookups. Ah, totally here for hookups. <laughs> totally here for Totally hookups. here for hookups. Yeah. But then some, sometimes some guys just got the juice. Like, it could just be the right, the right time and the right place and you just look just good enough for that time period yeah mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm completely off those apps that shit is terrible mm-hmm. no, people were not ever meant to meet like that it's just not normal yeah for like sure. like the way we treat dating now is like fast food mm-hmm. and there are more people and more women ever in american history that are having um casual sex than any time ever yeah for sure because they meet on bumble and they swiping through people's faces and women have the same primal instincts that men have. Like, ooh, I would fuck him. Ooh, he's cute. Oh, he's cute. Ooh, I fuck him. That they doing the same thing that a man is doing going through the app. A woman is not looking through a day nap saying, Wow, he'd be a great father figure. <laughs> That's facts. Wow, he looks stable. Yeah. Wow, he he looks like he No, they looking at it the same way that men are looking at it. And mm-hmm. that's the problem that men and women are looking at each other like sexual objects rather than human beings. When we used to meet each other face to face, and that was the initial meeting, you didn't have, you had some of these primal thoughts, but they kind of got diluted by the person's personality because they were right in front of you. Yeah. But when a person's behind a screen, then what the fuck are you doing? What are you going to do? Feeling the energy for sure. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, it's a whole different era. I think that um, it's good and bad, though. I, I think, like, because. I don't know. T- the the dating apps it 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 kind of created this like I'm not even sure that that's what they initially intended it to be like this kind of sex this uh this like sex app um yeah. but it just tr- it just transformed into that. And I think when you when you kind of grow and you you kind of when you when you really understand what you want out of life then you move on from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um that's not something that you should be on when you're 35 years old. That's Mm-mm. not. That's not. That's not the way. No, it'd be like a lot of young girls on there too. Anyways, girls like turn 18 and then they hop right on there no. and turn 19. I stay away from young women. That's yeah. the number one women you should stay away from. Because uh-huh. young women, you got to realize, young women are going through a time in their life that you went through over 10 years ago. We're talking probably 15 years ago. You're, you, they're going through what you went through at that age, uh-huh. which means a young woman on average is having a serious hoe phase. Mm-hmm. Same thing as men. Is is men and women are on the opposite sides of the same experience. So if if a woman was a, a woman was to say that's not fucking true, every woman doesn't have a hoe phase. I'm not saying every woman has a hoe phase, but most of them do because a man that's going through a hoe phase in college, he's not. He's having sex with different women who are going through the same thing he's going through. Yeah. Like this guy that's fucking these women in college, that he's not meeting virgins. You know, they <laughs> they're not virgins. Mm-hmm. I know I, and and it's no knock on women, it's just a human experience. I know some women back in college that was into some wild, 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 freaky, crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, especially out there at Cal State at those dorms. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That place was a fuck fest back in the day. Yeah. 
That was a they could that was Fuckfest two thousand and five. <laughs> yeah. That's Yikes. Great. Shout out to CSUB, man. Yeah, man. That is nuts, man. Yeah, definitely yeah. Well, college is a space where you're away from home. You yeah. got a you got a dorm room. You got your own apartment probably for the first time in your life and mm-hmm. you just you just living you just living out your dreams. Yeah. There, there you know, there's that that girl that's from you know, from that small town that's across the country. She comes out to some city where she doesn't really know anybody. She's got her own dorm, but she has a boyfriend that's a long distance and they only see each other during the holidays. And she's walking around on campus. She's seeing all these attractive guys, all these football players and basketball players, and yeah. they've been trying to hit on her and shit. But she's like, I have a boyfriend. I have a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And it's going to go from, I have a boyfriend. Uh, sure, you can have my number. And then, yeah. you know, and then she's going to get the number and not be hooking up. And it's going to take that one argument with her her boyfriend that's across the country. They yeah. get it. Once they get in that argument, now <laughs> it, it's free reign. Now, yeah. Now, now your girl is texting and hanging out with Jamal. I for sure. <laughs> I for sure be the guy that's like, um, like playing it cool. Um, while she got a boyfriend, like not now, but I mean, like back in college, like I would, like if I had a some sort of like communication with them, it would, it would slow down, and I wouldn't be like pressuring them into doing anything. But right. I definitely would be like, hey, yeah, just you know, anytime you you know after work or whatever, you could come by and hang out or whatever. And then they'll be like texting their boyfriend while they hanging out at my apartment or yeah, something. Yeah, that's like crazy. That. Yeah. That'll be nuts. So, babe, what are you doing? No, I'm just hanging out at my friends. Yeah. And then a man is, is so dumb, he's just going to automatically assume it's just another woman that she's hanging out with. Dang, yeah. 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 That's bad. I'm not another woman. No. no. <laughs> yeah. I'm every woman. <laughs> it's all in me. Yeah. <laughs> that should be... Uh, I might... Um, I got to... I might start like a a college uh, podcast, which is me and like some of my college buddies from New Mexico State. We just like for hour and a half talk about the the wildest stuff that happened in college. Yeah, it's. I I think that I I, well it won't you won't ever hear it because I don't think that women will do it. I don't. But if women talked about their college experiences, it would be a wild fucking podcast. I think that's kind of the like the call her daddy vibe. Yeah, I think you got to realize like. There are some there are some stories because I've been around some I've been to some college parties not at some major campus but even parties at BC mm-hmm. like you'd be like hey man where's the bathroom oh it's over to the left and you accidentally open up the the, the bedroom door and there's people in there fucking yeah and it's two sets of people fucking in the same room you're like yo what the fuck no nah, that's wild you gave me the wrong door the bathroom is to the left man <laughs> then you open the bathroom door somebody's fucking in there too. That's wild. Like, this is unsanitary. I don't even want to use this bathroom yeah. anymore, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Not okay. Yeah. That was a long, that was, that was a rabbit hole, wasn't it? <laughs> Communication. That's the yeah. that's the theme of that conversation. Yeah. Ultimately, if if, if going back to DJ Envy's wife faking the orgasms, if you are in that situation, don't be too afraid to communicate that. Yeah, that's supposed to be your wife, man. Yeah, especially if you love, like, if you love somebody and you plan on spending the rest of your life with this person, um, and it go- it goes both ways, right? Because it be 
girl, some girls be giving terrible head, and <laughs> guys just be taking it. Like you don't, you don't have to take that terrible head. You can tell, you can tell her to stop using her teeth. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's so. that's that's a tough one. <laughs> Yikes. You you just don't want to be mean, man. But, yeah. But you, then you yeah. don't if you're giving her too many directions, she's gonna feel insecure and then the head's gonna get worse. Yeah. And you just be like, you know what? Just stop upsetting me. Okay? <laughs> just stop upsetting me. <laughs> Imagine how women feel when a guy's going down on them and he using teeth. That's wild. <laughs> They'll probably be so pissed the fuck off. Yeah. Women use sex to decompress. Yeah. So they'll be very frustrated if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. It's that's when it's when it's a relationship, you could build something. Like you could right. kind of like figure out what you guys like, you talk about it, you know, do like the whole um in different locations and all this kind of stuff. The when it's a casual thing, this is like um what do, what they call that? Like, oh, this is like an NFL combine. Oh. Like, you got to be on point. <laughs> like, you're 40-time, got to be 4-3. You got to have the measurables. You got to have the measurables. When they, yeah, when they check your height, it got to be six <coughs> feet or above. They yeah. do the hand measurements and all that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, it's been a, it's been a lot of women let down by us, though. Well, <laughs> nah, I'm not saying us independently, just men. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Let's just, let's just do better, fellas. Let's do better. Yes, let's learn from this. All Going right. Swipes. Whip, whip. Switching gears. Um, social, socioeconomic trauma or base trauma. Me and Keith were having a conversation, and we were just unpacking some things from our childhood. And I think that when you grow up and you, and you grow up poor, it's a different reality than a lot of people in America. And, and there's certain insecurities that pop up during that time, especially once you get in fourth grade, that's when you start learning like people's different, you know, economic situation. Mm -hmm. You know, you start looking at kids wearing certain shoes. They got all the latest stuff, all the newest stuff. And then if you like go over to their house after school, you see that they got a big old nice house and a bunch of food in their pantry and all. And they got a basketball court in the backyard. They got their own room. They ain't got to share their room with family. Like it's all kind of things you start noticing and then when you go back to your home and you start noticing all the differences and you just feel so bad, right? And I, and it's and Keith has an interesting story, mm -hmm. and I'll follow up after that, but I'll let him lead this one off. Yeah, so I think I did this thing called Landmark Forum, and um, it's this thing where you're kind of just, you're just kind of learning about yourself. You're kind of going on this, like, it's almost like a your time traveling through um, your personal history and then understanding that specific events led you to be the person you are today. Um, so I'll tell the story in a way where it's not like speaking on anybody specifically because like some of these people are still around and um, I just don't want to be like name dropping. Right, right, right. But um, – <clears throat> It was like when I was a kid, um, we I bounced around. Like I, I'm from Visalia, but I moved to Bakersfield when I was probably like um, in kindergarten. Um, and from there, from kindergarten to third grade, I bounced around a little bit, like living living in certain houses, like with my grandma, my aunt, 
um, living in certain, like I lived in this apartment uh, with my, with my, just my grandma, like me, my dad, uh, my mom, and my little brother. We lived in this apartment, um, and then from there, my parents finally got their own space out here in Bakersfield, um, and that's the space that I lived in until forever. Like my mom still lives in that apartment, um, so. Like up until like fourth grade, when I started going to um, this school called McKinley, I there was I had no recollection of like economics. Like, I'm just living life, right? You like I I'm thinking that living with my grandma is normal. I'm thinking that like right having to share a room or sleeping on a pallet or whatever. This is just normal, and it and I don't a have it. Yeah, like if it's three, four people in the room, um, I just put a pallet on the ground or whatever. Wait, wait, I think you're using the wrong word. You said a pallet. Yeah, that's what you would call it. Like, just a a pallet on the ground. A pallet is a wooden thing, like it's wood. A pallet can be, that's what it's called, a pallet. Like, if have you ever, heard, you never heard that term? Not for, not, to, not for something you sleep on. Yeah, you can sleep on a pallet. Oh, fuck. Yeah. But, um, so like you, um, you have this idea, or you're so free, right? You're just like this child living life, and you're not. You, all all you really are concerned about is like having fun and right. you know, what you're gonna eat, right? Yeah. Um, and then it's almost like the way they, um, the way some people describe like uh, like Adam and Eve, like they didn't know that they were unclothed until they ate the forbidden fruit, right? And that's like fourth grade. When people start to become more aware, social social statuses are uh, exactly. more apparent. You know, people are starting to become become themselves or become the person they're going to be for the rest of their lives. Um, so that when I got to fourth grade is when I realized like that I was poor, and it just dawned on me like you know I'm going to school with like payless shoes on, and you hearing Same. people getting roasted for certain things. You and, got the shoes with the lights on them. Yeah, I didn't have those, but <laughs> um, but you just you you, you starting it, you know, it may be a situation where somebody getting roasted for being poor, for having dirty clothes, and then you laugh a little bit too loud, and the d- attention diverts to you, or you know, det- attention gets brought over to you, and they roasting you like, nigga, what kind of shoes you got on? Why are you laughing so hard? Um, <laughs> like what? Are, that was the what are those before it was really popular. <laughs> And it just kind of like makes you like, dang, like, man, this this sucks. Like, you know, this is just a, a terrible experience. I just want to have fun with my friends, but I got to be concerned about how cool I look. Yeah. Um, and like you start to, you know, when you go into school with somebody, uh, some of these people for so long, y'all playing sports together, you know, you may spend a night over somebody's house, y'all chopping it up on the phone, um, all these different things. And you start to really um, hone in on this idea that we are all not created equal. <laughs> like, you know, such and such mom is, um, is like, or such and such dad is like a correctional officer or such and such mom is, uh, a, a, a vice principal at a school or this person works over here at right. this job and they got a really good job. And, you know, you, you start to like assess the situation, um, you know, you start to like look at the type of clothes that they wear. Like we mm-hmm. all had to wear uniforms, but 
I'm wearing like these hand-me-down shoes or like these sh- shoes from the thrift store and this dude got the new Allen Iversons or he got the new yep. Jordans that just came out and you're like dang man like I just got these I got these two for 80s from Foot Locker you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you remember the two for 80s? Hell yeah. <laughs> that was a two for 80 wearing motherfucker. Fresh two for 80s. but um, Black and white color. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you, 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 um, but, it, but it starts to like, that those situations shaped who I am. I'm not going to speak generally, right. start to speak for myself, but those situations shaped who I was to where like, I started to really resent my mom um, in a way that I didn't really understand until I was a until I was an adult. There would be times where, like, we we lived in that apartment, and um, you know, I would hear conversations of my mom speaking about um, wanting to get a house or like, you know, trying to you know get a bigger space, one in the backyard or front yard or something like that, and. Um, I, as a kid, you, that's Bible for you, right? Right. Like, and I'm like, yo, I want the same thing because I, when I when I talk to my friends and they ask how many rooms we got, I'm lying. I'm telling them it's like three yeah. or four, but in yeah. reality, we live in this two bedroom apartment. I'm counting the living room as a room. Right? I remember you talked to you talking to Chris Flail. You said uh-huh. something about like it was a, a it was it was a, what you call it. Um, at the time, there was like the master bedroom. They wanted to get rid of the term master bedroom. Yeah. Because I guess there was some like racial, I guess, implications. Or yeah. Whatever. And uh, you was like, you said, we didn't have no master bedroom in my house. We had two slave rooms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I was fucking dying. That's hilarious. I do remember that. Shout yeah. out to Chris Flow, man. That was a really good episode. Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, so you know, we having these conversations about like how many rooms you got, how many rooms you got, um, and I'm I'm lying, you know what I mean? Blake, like flat out lying, just yeah. so I'm not embarrassed by the fact that it's you know probably three of us in a sharing a bedroom or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I remember my mom having a conversation about wanting to move into a house, and I remember, um, and I'm I'm like eleven years old, maybe ten years old, and I'm um, probably. Yeah, maybe, yeah, 10, 11, maybe, yeah. So it's a house that is um, that I might have seen just from driving through the neighborhood or, I don't know, walking to the store. I don't know what it was, but I seen it, and it was a for rent sign um, and a thing. And I remember my mom having a conversation about wanting to get a house, and I'm like, and I'm like super eager, like, hey, mom, it's this house over here down the street. Like, you know, um, I, c- I can go get the number or whatever. And she might have, like, brushed it off or whatever. But I took it upon myself to walk over there. I'm 11 years old, like, walking three, four blocks away just to get this number from this, you know, the little four rent sign I see yeah. in the window. Um, and I bring it back to her. And, I'm, you know, I don't know if I wrote it down or memorized the number or whatever the case, but I told it to her. But then I like I realized like it wasn't happening. No. Like it was just a, it was just a conversation. And I'm too young to really for it to really register that it's not happening. She's just having a conversation about her desires or her what she wants out of life. Um and you kind of like those things start to shape you more and more. And I'm like, I'm like I'm looking at my mom, like, mom, like why can't you like why can't you get it together. Like, why ain't we making money like this person? Or why ain't we making money like this person? Like, why don't we got no front yard? Like, why can't we have 
techno like parties at our house and all these different things. Right. And I'm starting to like compare my parents to like some of my other mm-hmm. parents. And I remember my dad had this like beat up like hatchback car. It might have been like it ran, you know, something. It just ran. Um, but I would always hate for him to pick me up. But I always lucked out because he was always late. Um, so I would always be like sitting in the office, like waiting for my dad to pick me up. And then finally he'll pull up in a little beat up car or whatever. Um, and, uh, I remember one time specifically, like I would always get away with him picking me up cause nobody would be able to see it. But one time specifically, it might've been like after a field trip or something. And, um, one of my friends, like his, his mom was late picking him up too. And then he seen the car, and I was so embarrassed. Yeah. Like, nigga, you driving that? And it, it just happened so fast where he had to go to the office or whatever, so he couldn't really go in like he wanted to. Yeah. But that was that was one of those moments. But all these experiences, like, um, shaped me to be a person to where, like, when I was, when I was an adult, I became, like, imprisoned by this idea of, like, money. Yeah. To where, like no matter what level of success, like if I didn't notice this, like to ma- no matter what level of success, whether what whatever accomplishment that I had, no matter how much I had in my stock portfolio, whatever, I always had this desire to have more because I'm always comparing myself to this childhood, like this fourth grade version of myself when I'm seeing my friends do this or do that. Um, and it's something that I, I think it's a, one of the most powerful discoveries I've had about myself. And um, I also was like, I look at my mom completely different. Like, although I knew <laughs> she was a person that like, um, she did the best she could, but I think I still held some of that childhood resentment mm-hmm. like towards her. And it wasn't until I articulated it like out loud. And I, and I told her, like I had a conversation with her and I explained her, the story like in more detail with the names and stuff like that but I told her she tried to like apologize to me for like not doing more or not being like a better you know better financially you know stable person and I told her like I was like like one I'm just crying my eyes out and two I was like mom like you don't have to apologize to me for nothing like I'm good you I got I got through college you know what I mean I've reached a certain level of success you taught you taught me work ethic you taught me a bunch of stuff that you may have not necessarily like taught me like verbally but just by watching your actions um you taught me a lot you taught me about like stick-to-itiveness and consistency and all these different things right um but if I like I said before if I kept going down that road of like comparing myself to like that four-year-old child that is like always looking at somebody else's like this is what I need or this is what's going to make me happy like that's the type of stuff that'll ruin you so like even like before we had that conversation about like can money buy you happiness and all these different things like money would have like um been a short short-term fix for that desire that I had but right. the real power is in like removing yourself from the like the bondage that we have towards name brands like 100 like the the jordan symbol and all these things once you realize like it's a status yeah once you realize that that's just a logo like you will then you will be empowered yes um and 
that's also like a journey we've had, like, you know, with Eddie um, starting his merch and stuff like that. Once you realize that literally somebody just heat pressed something on a shirt or screen printed something yeah, on a shirt. It removes all the power from it. It removes, yeah, exactly. It removes all that power. So that's the space and the journey that I'm on now. Like, and so much so, like, um, getting more comfortable with the way my car looks. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even have the desire to, like, fix it up anymore. Like, it had, because I got into an accident and it was, like, a dent on the side. But um, I got the light the lights fixed on it or whatever, and I'm completely, I'm building this um, this thing for myself where I'm pulling up on anybody, whether it's a date, whether it's like, you know, whether we go into the movies, whatever the case may be, and I don't have any sort of, like, embarrassment about it because I realize, like, we are putting the... Um, putting too much emphasis on things yeah and we create the value for whatever Mm -hmm. and sometimes like i'm creating embarrassment for myself that's not even there like there was a time where um that one of my friends that i was embarrassed to be you know around he had to pick me up for um uh we had a track meet right um and he had to pick me up and i gave him the address to the apartment complex but I gave it to him in a way where he didn't know that it wasn't a house right mm-hmm. so um I'm just like yo this is the address or whatever um and then when they get to the address they might have looked it up on like MapQuest or something like that <laughs> oh, this is way better <laughs> so um he gets to the address and he called me he like hey is this the apartment complex blah 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 and I'm like yeah and he's like all right cool we outside but in my mind, I'm creating this whole like dialogue, like, yeah. oh, this nigga gonna roast me. I live in an apartment, he live in a house, all these thing, different things. But that's an internal dialogue that he probably didn't even, didn't even give a shit care about. about. Yeah, he probably like, oh, this is just where Keith lived. That like that's, that's yeah. perfectly fine. But um, you know, same thing with the cars. Like sometimes we put it in our head, like people gonna care, like, oh, this person gonna roast mm. me. This uh person only likes yeah. a person that type our, drive this type of car our insecurities that we have are not our own yeah the insecurities that we have whether it's how we look or how we feel about our finances or whatever it's based off of what we perceive it's mm-hmm. based off of comparing excuse me <clears throat> comparing ourselves to other people that's mm-hmm. all it is mm-hmm. it's just that's exactly what it is mm-hmm. and a lot of times like I'll get into my shit. I'll let you finish because mm-hmm. you have it fresh on your mind. But mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get back to it. Mm-hmm. But no, that that that's just the um, the the thing. But yeah, so a- after that, like um, after a couple weeks ago, when I when I made that discovery, like I've been able to like appreciate my mom a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like, and and I, I I I've always loved her, and we haven't had any sort of bad blood or anything. But like. Um, just appreciate her for what she did do versus like what we weren't able to do. But right. then I realized like I'm going to be rich. So it's not 100%. even like, you know, it's not even a thing. Like I'm going to be able to buy my mom a house in the near future. I'm going to be able to like for her to to kind of fulfill her dreams because I realized like my grandma, she just like, she didn't have a fair shake. She had her first kid when she was 12. Like, Man. and then she had 15 kids and no way, shape or form. Do you have the time or space to like go get a degree or like, you know what I mean? Like she, she just was like set up for failure. And then my mom, she kind of came into this world. She had her first kid when she was 16 um, and she just never got her footing. I remember my mom told me she was like, um, 
I almost like when I, I went to so I went from Bakersfield College and I transferred to Iowa State and um I think I went to I might have been packing my bags the day before I left and she told me the story. She was like, I was going to go to Fitham um, right out of high school. I saved up. I worked. I saved up the money for the uh, for the the tuition or the down payment on the apartment or whatever. But she was like, I couldn't go because your brother's dad wouldn't watch him while I went to school. So I had to, like, stay basically in Tulare and the rest is history. Right. So, like, these are stories that, like, this is the narrative moving forward. It's not like, hey, mom, you didn't do this because you didn't have a good job or you didn't have a high-paying job. It's like she made that type of sacrifice for my brother. So it's only right for me to like to change the narrative, yeah. but also change not only change the narrative for like us as like a people as far as our economics and our our generational wealth, but also change the narrative on um how we look at money because even she was saying like sometimes like I don't even I'm embarrassed for some of my friends to know where I live like to this day and um so she's like still having those same reservations as a 50 you know 52 year old woman (coughs) so um for one it's like I guess to sum it all up it's like one we have to change the way we look at money and that's kind of going back to my point about like uh, Childish Gambino and J. Cole like I think they're doing something very powerful that may not even register to people until you kind of really sit down and look at it um, one we have to change the way we look at money and then two we have to realize that like um, there are like people that made huge sacrifices for us to be in a position to where we can even just do our podcast you know what yes. I mean and I think the people, it's it's a select few people that really got it, like that yeah. really got the juice, that really got the power to like, like change the dynamic or trajectory of their family name. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a the guys like Jay Z, Jay Z's family would have been just a family, right? Yeah. And then he became like this exceptional rapper. And therefore, change the the Carter's name for the rest of history. So, yeah. like, we are we have the potential to do that. So we gotta, you know, make good on it for ourselves, but also for the people that made those type of sacrifices for us. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Change the direction in which you know your lineage. Mm-hmm. You know, but here's here's the deal. As as far as my situation, it's it's a lot to unpack. Um, I had a similar upbringing. Um, I didn't. We didn't have a lot. Um, and you start noticing, you know, around the fourth grade when people have certain things and you don't have those things. And I was getting it from both angles because not only was, you know, I insecure about, you know, where we were economically, but I was also, I got made fun of, you know, for having big lips or, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got people cracking jokes on you, calling you ugly, saying you got big lips. And then you also um, grow up without having a lot. So you when you go over a friend's house either to spend the night or play the video game and they got 
uh, the new Super Nintendo with like 50 games and you don't even have a game system at the time because you're too poor to have one. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, there's not a lot of food in your house at the time because your parents are in between paychecks and there's hardly no money in the house. And then you go over to your friend's house and they got a fucking loaded pantry full of food. Um, You had a, I don't want to cut you off, but you had a, like a specific story. I don't know if you want to tell it about somebody coming over your house and asking about a game system. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was, um, there was a, a basically a, a friend came over and I was a kid that had a huge imagination and could create things to keep me occupied. Mm-hmm. And I had like a, a, a couple balls of uh, paper that I had like, like balled them up, like shooting basketball, like shooting baskets in the trash can. Mm-hmm. But instead I had like a little box in my room that I had up on the wall and I would just like shoot paper balls in there sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the kid was like, man, you ain't got no game system in here or nothing. You ain't got nothing to play. You ain't got nothing to do. Mm-hmm. And it just made me feel so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I was already, I was already poor, you know, but like he came over and made me feel like shit. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem with that too is is when kids are yell- when kids are little they're very cruel they don't realize it but they also don't realize they don't have shit themselves. Yeah, your parents have that you don't have shit. Most of the people that that made fun of me back in the day, I'm doing better than all of them. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's not to rub that in, but it's just to say like a lot of this shit doesn't age well either. But in, in regard to even the looks thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump all over the place for a second, but getting made fun of for having big lips and being called ugly and shit like that. And you get older and a woman tells you like, Oh, you're really handsome or I love your lips. And you barely believe them because you've been getting called ugly most of your life. Mm -hmm. Like that shit really happened to me, man. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize how much that shit could fuck you up. Yeah. You know, over time, you know, the same thing you get made fun of as a kid, women will be like, I love your lips. You have big juicy lips. Mm -hmm. And you just like, man, like I got called ugly. I got called, fucking Bubba Gump and all kinds of shit by mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And it it'll do it does something to your um it does something to your self-esteem when you get treated like that. Yeah. You know, and it it also does something to your self-esteem when you know you get told like you ain't got no game to play or you know mm-hmm. and then when you don't have a house or you, you know you go you go over your friend's house and they be like, "Oh, let's go over your house next." Mm-hmm. And it's like their kids so they assume that you have everything that they have. Like you live in a house. Yeah, and then they come <clears> over <throat> to your house, and not only do you have an apartment, but it's small. Mm-hmm. It's small, and there's nothing entertaining to do. And then they're just stand, sitting around looking un, 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 un what do you call it? Um, uh, uh, very unenthusiastic. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just, it hurts when you're a kid and you go through that. Now, there's two angles. One is like it's out of your control as a kid. And two, you start to have a little bit of resentment towards your parents because you wish they would do better. Yeah. You know what I mean? You wish they would do better and fight harder for their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, but truth be told is a lot of times your parents get handed down something that they have to overcome. Yeah. And they don't always do it because everyone is not an outlier. I feel like people like me or Keith are, are outliers where we, we've we been passed down un, like. We've been passed down certain, like I, I would call it like a financial financial trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Like financial um, illiteracy almost, where even if your parents push um, pushed a little bit further, they still don't have the literacy of finances and things like that that really set you up to do anything. Yeah. 
So they're just they're just literally a statistic in all this shit. And and in ways they're trying their best, but it they're not really moving the needle. Yeah. And when you go through that shit, man, it, it hurts. It sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many angles. There when I was a freshman in high school, um, there was a time where, you know, my dad, he got hurt. He didn't have a job for a little bit. Um, because he basically had to get like disability or whatever from his job. And we were on pretty tough times. And I didn't have really any school clothes. I was wearing some of the same shit I wore in eighth grade when I was a freshman in high school. I remember I had a pair of these Nikes that uh, they were like Deion Sanders shoes. And they had that, that you know, that bubble that Air Maxes have on the bottom. Mm-hmm. It had the same bubble on the bottom, but the shoe, it got so worn down that in the back, the bubble was starting to get exposed and shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking around on campus with these shoes. Mm-hmm. And it was people cracking jokes and saying stuff like, oh, look at this nigga, this and that. Yes, and uh, it was a very, a very just very demoralizing, horrible feeling thing. Mm-hmm. Like if I had if I had kids, bro, and I found out that my son was making fun of some kid that was poor, either instead of me slapping the shit out of my own son, I would probably take all of his best shit and give it to the kid he's making fun of. Because it's not the kid's fault that their, you know, that their parents may not have a lot. Yeah. You know, and I'm not. And for the most part, I, I look I, for the most part, I would have decent school clothes when I was a kid. I really didn't walk around fucked up. But at that time, it was hard. times. It was, it was hard. Yeah. Super hard times. And, and it's harder than you can comprehend because you're a kid and you don't deal in reality. You don't deal in bills. You don't deal in, you know, having to pay rent and, and utilities and all this stuff. So you're just a kid that has no information on how to help the situation. You're just existing. Mm-hmm. And you're wanting, you just don't know why you can't have the things that other kids have. Yeah. I, I, that I happened to me in high school, I think when I was a sophomore, maybe. I didn't, I didn't get to get no, uh, no new school clothes. And my mom told me, she was basically like, I'm going to get your younger siblings some school clothes. Like, I'll get you, like, on my next paycheck. And just even hearing those things is so like, and I, and I'm more I'm older now, so I understand like how rough it is, you right? Know, you know, it's a single mom trying to hold it together, um, but you know, so I didn't really I didn't have no real resentment towards her then, but it was just kind of like, it just sucks to be in that situation. Like it sucks for her to even have to tell her son like, hey, yeah. You know, you might you ain't gonna get no Christmas presents. Like I'll get you in a couple. Like for yeah. for her to even have to like explain that yeah. t- to me. Yeah. yeah, I had a parallel happen with my dad that I I as a freshman I didn't really have a lot of shit, mm-hmm. and I wasn't even gonna ask, even though it was some people roasting me for not really having mm-hmm. very nice clothes at that time. He was like he chose to. It was the time where he was just like, fuck this. I can't have you going out to school mm-hmm. like this. So he chose, instead of paying the rent, he chose to buy me um, a good amount of clothes mm-hmm. and not pay the rent. Mm-hmm. And he chose he chose to buy me clothes over paying the actual rent. Yeah. And that's when you know, like, there's a disconnect. A lot of people that are hearing this, they can't even comprehend what we're saying. That's it. Because they, they've never had to use that as an option because you've been so financially well off your whole life mm-hmm. that you never had to make a choice between bills and buying school clothes. You never had to make a decision between um, paying bills and having actual food to eat. So you're just kind of like, oh, my God, this is just terrible. I didn't know this happened in America. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's called poverty. 
<laughs> okay. Facts. You know? I know. I know. In that that time when I was a sophomore, um, I used to have a lot of clothes. So, um, you know, obviously you grow a little bit, <coughs> you know, over the summer or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But by the time you're in high school, you most people max out pretty early. I may have grown like two inches in high school or something like that. Yeah. Um. So like what I did to kind of cover up the the fact that I didn't get school like new school clothes was like dig deep in the in the in my baskets and stuff to see like oh I ain't wore this since yeah. such as like they ain't never really seen this let me iron this up real cool yeah. and then, you know so it was it was it was stuff like that and I remember like somebody commented I just had like a, a t-shirt with a pocket on there or something like that and somebody commented on it like, okay, Keith got the sh- shirt with the pocket on it. And I don't think he was trying to be like disrespectful, but he was just kind of acknowledging like the the pocket. But I was like, dang, man, like this is just old clothes. Like I'm just here. <laughs> like, I don't want anything to, anybody to say anything about my clothes. But you was in high school with a shirt that said McKinley. <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, this new dog. I just got this. <laughs> no, no, that's the one we had in here. That's what we, Mrs. Mrs. Rupert's class. The, the assembly we went to. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I had some embarrassing moments. I had times where, you know, I I, I had to get groceries on the bus with my dad before, mm-hmm. which was very embarrassing. And then you see somebody you went to school with, and you're on the you're literally on the public bus with fucking groceries. Very embarrassing. Yeah, man. And in those moments, you have those moments of resentment for your parents, and you wish that they would do better. But at the same time, that shit's in the past. I've had a lot of embarrassing moments. The moment you talked about your dad showing up in that car that was all loud and beat up, Mm -hmm. I've had those moments where the cars, when you drive off the car, like... And you're getting picked up from fucking school, and your parents are driving off in that. And, you know, it's, it's just... It's just you get, I don't know, in the moment it was the worst thing ever, but as when you get older, you have clarity. Yeah. You, you realize really. that in ways your parents were a product of something. Yeah. They were a product of what was basically passed down to them. Yeah. And they never figured out that situation in order to give their children a better life. But they never wanted to be counterproductive ever. That wasn't their intention to be. Yeah, they didn't. If they if it was up to them, they would have a lot of money. A hundred percent. But it yeah. just it didn't work out that way. I think too, you think just so many stuff is coming back to me now. Like I could remember, it's interesting how like life works. Where it could be like one phase of your life you like in the trenches, and then another phase you might have the Jordans or the Allen Iversons right. or whatever. Um, but I remember like that sophomore year, I never really put two and two together, but I could remember like not even my freshman year, I had the, um, the Jordan cleats that was like these, they were like these mid top Jordan cleats that I bought. Um, I might've like split it with my mom cause she probably was going to get me like the, these was the actual screw-ins too. Oh, you know okay. how they had yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, molds. Yeah. Yes, the old molds was trash. Yeah, they you get was. The, the back in the day, like two thousand thick ass rubbery five, ass. Yeah, heavy ass fucking. If you molds. get the molds, oh, those no. are 
terrible. Yes. I remember they had some Reebok molds that was just trash, and everybody used to have them, but they was the heaviest cleats oh ever. Oh, my God. But, yeah, um, they were terrible. I had a pair. Now molds are completely different. Where Very light. Everybody now. wear them. Yeah. But freshman year, I got these Jordan cleats. I was the flyest dude on the field. And then the next year, I had the same cleats, but I had worn them down so much. So one of the cleats on, like, the, the inside, on, like, the ball of your foot, it broke. Uh, so I couldn't even use them no more. Like, I tried to glue it in, and eventually, like, it was just done for. So I might just went to Big Joe. He would have fixed that shit. I didn't even think about that. He probably would have glued it in or something like that. No, he would have. The screw was broken inside of the cleat? No. The screw, like, it stripped. So oh, it didn't even screw it in. Go in. Yeah, so it was not, like, but then you can't really, because it was the cleats with the little metal tip yeah, on the bottom. Yeah. You, you could still fix that, though, if you put some pipe tape. Mm-hmm. If you get some white lining pipe tape and you screw it, it'll lock back in. Yeah. But who knows that when you're a fucking I'm 30 kid. years old now. Yeah. That's- <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I had those. I was, you know, freshman year was like, a, it was a good year. And then um, come sophomore year, I was uh, wearing hand-me-down cleats from some of my, uh, I remember having, what, uh, shout out to uh, Steven Schroeder. He, um. He had the Reggie Bush Adidas when Reggie Bush, oh, uh, yeah. when he was on the Saints. Yes, yes. He had the, uh, like, the straps, whatever. Yeah. And I had those. I was playing in those. I, I remember another guy named Cooper Dameron. He might have gave me, like, his old Reeboks, and I was wearing those. So it was just like, you know. But I, I, I didn't have no real issue with it because I was just playing football or whatever and right. having a good time. But you just think about, like, dang, dog. Like, I didn't even get no new cleats. Nah, yeah, yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. My freshman year um, – my freshman year, I had a pair of Nike, uh, some Nike molded cleats mm-hmm. that were heavy as fuck. Yeah. They were all black, not not a lot of designs. And I remember back in the day, Antonio Freeman wore them for the mm-hmm. Packers. And that, when I seen him on the commercial, I was like, oh, these is going to be so cold. <laughs> and then I get to, I think I went to Big Five and it was only back then. They weren't even that expensive. And I was like, oh, shit, these still look cool. You can and probably I, get cleats for like $30, huh? I can't remember back then. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And they just were so heavy, man. Yeah. They were so fucked up. Mm-hmm. But yeah. And um, just, I'm hopping all over the place. I, one of the most embarrassing moments I had, too, was actually using food stamps. Mm-hmm. And... There was a time when you wanted to get cash back for food stamps and you had the dollar ones. Mm-hmm. What you would do is back then a bag of chips, a little small bag was 25 cents mm-hmm. and little Debbie's was 25 cents. Mm-hmm. So what I would do uh, you know, is I would go to a store and spend a quarter and then go across the street and then spend a quarter. And then now, you know, you got mm-hmm. you got dollar fifty or you got whatever. $1, yeah, you got dollar fifty now because mm-hmm. of the change. Mm-hmm. And then I would go back to the other store and then and then I went to the other store again. He's like, Hey, what are you doing? I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> I know what you're trying to do. You gotta stop doing it. <laughs> you could really run it up with that. You know how and that sometimes in the liquor stores they had a little ten cent like yeah. on the counter. Right. You get a little 10 cent candies or something like that. You could definitely um, run it up, get 90 cent back and just keep it. Like, do that every single stop day. Doing that. Stop <laughs> doing that. Dude from 7 Eleven was like, stop getting, stop doing that. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do this every day. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, that's the perception of it, right? And this is what I was telling um, me and my friend were having this conversation. I was like, man, I want to go back to that, that third grader, right? When, when, there was no concern about whatever. Yeah. Like, and I was, I think I might've mentioned it on a podcast before, but it's like my niece is six now 
and she has no perception of a lot of the right. insecurities that we have as adults. Yes. Like, and even even her desire to do anything, right? Sometimes right. as adults, we'll be like, man, I'm not going to do that because what if this happens? Or, you know, I'm not going to drop this podcast because, you know, people may not like it. Or, right. you know, I'm not going to put the visual up because it, it just doesn't look exactly how yeah. I want it to, right? Um, but as a kid, you don't have those, like, reservations. Yeah, those like, fears. Yeah, you you know, if you want something from your mom or whatever, you may ask them every single day until they say yes. Or, you know, you know that no doesn't deter you from, from doing what you want. So, 100%. like, that's my, my goal is to, like, get to that space where, like, I do anything I do anything that I put my mind to without any reservations of what the consequence is going to be. Um legal stuff you know and i'm not trying to like be out breaking yeah but just like you know um realistic things right um and you just like you don't have that all these like things weighing you down as far as like these um this internal dialogue you have with yourself yeah um and that was like that era that third grade right before i hit fourth grade second grade you know you're just having fun you're just doing everything you you know, you just live in life. So that's the space where I want to kind of get back to. Here's the thing, though. When you get old enough where you start you start realizing other people's home, like economics and, you know, how much money people have and things. When you're a kid, you're innocent, man. Like you, you you're I remember being a little kid and, you know, you got a Mexican friend and a black friend and a Indian friend and a white friend. And you guys are just going to recess, hanging out. You guys are just cool. But when you get older, you break off into groups of Republicans and Democrats mm-hmm. and non-binary and this mm-hmm. and then that and then this belief and then that belief and then poor and then rich and then working class and then blue collar. Mm-hmm. Like, it sucks that our innocence. Grow up. Yeah, we grow up and we break off into these groups because our innocence is is stripped from us. Yeah. You know, and it's pretty fucked up. It's mm-hmm. just it's just the way of the world, man. The yeah. same the same person that probably got older and decided that they don't like black people, they had five black friends when they were little kids. But as they got older, they just was like, no, like, you know, they broke off into these groups. The same the same super pro black guy like Dr. Umar that's saying you shouldn't marry outside your race. When he was in the third grade, he had, he had a white a girlfriend. On Ashley. He had yeah. a white girlfriend named Amber, but he mm-hmm. got older and is so pro black. And mm-hmm. he's like, You shouldn't marry the white flesh. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once we get older, our innocence is ripped from us. Yeah. It's it's almost a it's a weird thing where you go you from we probably have our first, depending on who you are, your first memories may start around four years old. Um, and then from four to like nine, ten years old, that's like the peak of your freedom as a yeah. human being. And then you start to get into fourth, fifth grade. That's when social classes come in. Yes. That's when like, you know, people start to click up. People start to get into fights because they don't like each other. And then all the way to high school, you're kind of just maturing in that same space. And then probably not until you turn like 28, 29 that you realize like, yo, I got to unpack a lot of this stuff. Like, why don't I like this race of people? Why don't I like, you know, why don't I like Republicans? Why don't I like Democrats? Why don't I get along with this group of people? Um, And then you just kind of like 
get get back to the you know yeah. the original. But yeah, I, I was just I don't know why I was thinking about this, but I was thinking like my first crush that I could remember, like, and I was in the fourth grade, and it was this girl named Vanessa Gutierrez. Mm-hmm. I just was I don't know what it was. I just was crazy about this girl. Mm-hmm. And I liked her a lot. She didn't like me at all. <laughs> but yeah, I feel you. I remember she had a crush on this skinny white boy named Russell. Mm-hmm. And I was used to be like, I used to be low key, not envious of Russell, but I used to feel bad because Russell didn't like her at all. But I liked her, and you she just, didn't give me the time of day. Yeah, like damn, why don't you? Like I like you, Russell. Don't like give me right give me skinny white boy named Russell Quigley. Whatever Russell, you wherever you at, man. Shout out to you, man. Yeah. I ain't seen that kid since like fourth grade. Have you ever um, had a crush on a girl like when you were younger, and then you uh, see him when you get older, and you're like, "Yo, how did I even like this girl?" Yeah, it's happened to me. Yeah, and not and not that they grew up to be like ugly or whatever. It's just like. As a kid, your standards just be a little bit different than they than they are when you grow Probably. up. Probably, I remember back in the, well, back in high school, one girl I had a super crush on. I could say this, but and she and, but she never gave me the time of day. She didn't even act like she did. Mm-hmm. But it was a girl named uh, Raquel Hughes. Mm-hmm. He I had a huge crush on Raquel, mm-hmm. but she was never like she's like, "What's up, man?" Like she never, <laughs> she never. Tell, if a girl tell you what's up, you ain't got no shot. Yeah, she, yeah. She's like, oh, what's up, man?" If she say hi and call you by your name, you may have a, a yeah. ankle of it. Might be some faith in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. back in the day, man. But we're we're all grown, man. I, I haven't seen her in years. She's cool people's though, and I think she's married too. Uh-huh. But um, it's just a trip. How you know how your how your brain works when you're young? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. But. Yeah, that that's you know that's that's our story pretty much, man. And for anybody that grew up poor, man, it came up with it came with a challenge for sure. Yeah, you know, it came with a challenge. It came with a different reality than most people. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to go through a lot. You had to face a lot. Whether it's from the free lunches, I went to school with people like I would get free lunch every day, but it's people that literally their parents gave them money every day, like yeah. every day they had money to eat off campus, and you just like, how do these kids got money? I remember, I remember when I was in high school, it was kids that was walking around with like $200 on them at all times. Crazy. And it's credit like, cards, debit cards. Credit cards, everything in high school mm-hmm. as sophomores and freshmen. And it's yeah. like, damn, a lot, of, a lot of parents don't even realize like the position you've put your kids in, whether it's good or bad. Like if you hear our story, I hope you realize how good your kids got it. It's a lot of kids that your school, your they kid. never feel that. Yeah, they, they mm-hmm. never felt that. They never felt what it feels like to, you know. I went to school with motherfuckers that were so poor. Like, yeah, I grew up poor, but I always had certain essentials. Like, I always had jackets and shit like that and pants and stuff. But it was some kids that would wear shorts and a T-shirt year-round, even in the wintertime, with no jacket, bro. No backpack. No backpack. All they had was a binder. Mm-hmm. And it was the same kid. They'd be like, hey, man, you got a pencil? Yeah. Hey, you got a piece of paper? Can I? Can you loan? Can, let me borrow a piece of paper. Yeah. And you'd be like, damn. Like, I think, but I think like, and I'm glad I'm alive, obviously. But I think that conversation should also um, make people think twice about having a kid. Yes. Like, what are you bringing them into? It's it's tough, man. Like, I don't have a kid, and part of the reason I don't have a kid is because um, I'm not married, but mm-hmm. also. Like, I don't have a kid because I can't afford to have a kid. Uh-huh. So, um, 
I just think like, and I love all my family, but I I know that there are some ch- children that are being born into situations that are not. Some, a lot of them are being probably most of them are being yes. born into situations that they you know that they will grow up and have the same conversation when they turn 38, 30, uh, 30 years old or whatever. So Yeah, real conversation. And instead of, like, telling your kids, like, when you going to give me a grandson or a granddaughter? Or why am I – when you going to give me one? Back off of that. Like, the number one thing that needs to be established is a comfortable financial situation where that child is growing up with two parents who are financially literate, who uh, also have good enough jobs or have made enough career decisions that put their kid in a good position where they don't have to stress. When you remove a lot of financial problems, you remove a lot of the stress. I'm not saying all of it, but you remove a lot of the stress. Mm -hmm. When you don't have to worry about where your next meal's coming from. Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's a terrible feeling, you know? Sleeping on a friend's couch. I remember one time I fell on super hard times. We, uh, like, I literally was sleeping on your brother's couch for mm-hmm. a little while. It was it was some tough times, man. Back in the day, I remember I remember times of getting evicted from places back when I was a little kid, or yeah. the electricity being off and shit like that. Mm-hmm. This it's just a reality that most people will never face, nor will they have to face. And you shouldn't feel bad for not facing that. I'm just saying, please be aware of the reality that a lot of people have to go through. Some people will see me and be like, oh, man, Eddie ain't ever been through shit, man. And it's like, bro, you don't know me, homie. Yeah. You don't know me. I think some people just wear it better. Right. We've, we've, We've shaped our story in a way where it's not like bogging us down. Right, right. It's probably more so motivation. 100%. Hundred um, percent, but yeah, some people can look at anybody and just think because, just because you dis, you looked a certain way at school or whatever that you wasn't really going through. And I came from food stamps and Section Eight. You can't tell me shit, motherfucker. Yeah, you can't tell me shit. Yeah, you know, I came from some. I come from Section Eight food stamps and food giveaways. Do you know how embarrassing it is to be in the welfare office, bro? Yeah. God damn, that's embarrassing. As a little kid, and you're worried about somebody from your school seeing you in a welfare office, but you're so young and dumb, you don't realize if a person you know from school sees you in a welfare office with your parents, that's because they on welfare too. Yeah. But you don't pick that up. you just like, you embarrassed. You know, you, you know, you getting, parents are getting cash aid and food stamps because they don't, you know, they fell on hard times. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it's, tough, it's man. rough, man. I, I think like you know part of like the reason why I do want to like bless my mom one day is like I remember times where like I remember seeing my mom. I think I was in co- like freshman in college or something, and I did my mom's tax. Like this one, TurboTax was like kind of first popping, and I she gave me her W twos and stuff like that, and I seen how much money she made, and I was like, dang, like this. Like, you held it together with this type of salary? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, bro. But, yeah, I think, like, above all, we just got to, like, control our narrative and make sure that, um, you know, when you do bring kids into this world, you are giving them the best possible platform to be successful because 
That's a that's a long eighteen years until you become an adult. Yeah. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I hope that didn't bum you guys out too bad. I don't want you to feel sorry for us, you know. There's oh. probably a lot of people that's more related, like, bro. Yeah. Like, you know, I back in the day this happened to me or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We I mean we never want to make an assumption of what people went through. A lot of people um grew up on food stamps and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I grew up around a lot of poor kids too, so we kinda, you know, relate. I remember kids going to school with like a pickle, with like a pickle and then to be dipping it in Kool-Aid. Did you find yourself like I think it yeah. was a certain people that like I would be, um like was more comfortable around even back if then. They, if they grew up similar to me. Yes. Like I'm sure you and my brother got along because you know, niggas is just going through the same yes, situation. Yes, that's, that's probably, we didn't realize it, but that was one of the reasons why we were mm-hmm. that close. Mm-hmm. But like, we you ha- live in an apartment, I live in an apartment. <laughs> well, we, 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 we had other friends that came from different um, backgrounds that were a little more well-off. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, shout out to T.J. Brewer, man. But mm-hmm. back in the day, T.J. Brewer was, you know, was like a sophomore, or I think he was a sophomore at the time with his own car. Yeah. So here we are, and some of our parents didn't even have cars, and here this this fucking sixteen year old kid has a car. But he, but and this is just my recollection of him. Like he seemed like a person that it didn't really like him and Desmond was tight. Like he would be at the crib all the time. Like it didn't even matter what type of living situation. Yeah. But that's like that's dope. But that's how it is when you kind of have a blank canvas. Yeah. You just become either more judgmental and more different and more put off into groups as you get older mm-hmm. because you start to subscribe to these different ideologies and mm-hmm. belief systems, mm-hmm. which kind of like just really, really takes away from us as people. Mm-hmm. But either way, we're going to go ahead and close this thing out, man. If you made it to the end of this podcast, man, we genuinely and wholeheartedly appreciate your ear. Thank you for listening to a Trucker's Mind podcast. I'm Eddie McGee. It's your boy, Kate Things. We're out of here. Peace.